Ugh, I'm sick of fighting G-Men. Why haven't we found any paper pushers who just want to collect their pensions? I know. You'd think the government was paying them in pure gold and holding their families hostage, the way these guys just run at us to get killed. So are we done fighting these guys yet? No, of course not. What was I thinking? That we'd leave at least one government institution intact? Silly me. Look, I'm sorry about fighting through the IRS, but we got a real lead from it. And the gratitude of millions of taxpayers when we torched the audit room. Here it is. The head of the FBI. We want some answers. What did he say? I can't get away with it. Oh, hell no. This bastard's dead. Guess that means we have to do this the hard way. No problem. This guy sits at his desk all day. We've got the children on our side. No, no, this isn't good. He made a deal with the IRS to charge us every time we use the judgment ring against him. There, he's down, and he's wearing a dress? That I have to reach inside to get the file we need? I don't know if the world is worth this. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Three, two, RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight. Your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Meeky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 86, Rasputin's iPhone. I am your co-host, Phil Willis, and this is... Well, I go by many names, but you probably want to hear the name Mike Minky, so that's the name you're going to hear. Our other co-host at arms, and we are going to be talking about a trilogy, well, maybe four if you sort of count the one that's kind of hanging out there at the beginning, but I don't count that one. A trilogy of Shadow Hearts game, and to help us do that, we have a trilogy of freshly sealed guests to help us out today. And who's doing the fresh sealing, you may ask? Why, that could be the one, the only Trent seal em up Hey, how we all doing? <laughs> do it, Mr. Trent. I live Phil. the dream. Ruda. Ruda. Hurt. Ready to seal in the goodness? <laughs> with judgment, not. With judgment rings. <laughs> he doesn't kids thinking really hard about that one. <laughs> Where's Judge Judy when I need her for pun hell? <laughs> and you'll be cooking those puns over an open fire and toasting your Sam Marshmallows. My poor last name. My poor... Poor last name. I feel your pain. I really do. I know. <laughs> I know, Nathan. We, Poor we, we are very time. sad. <laughs> and yes, that is Mr. Nathan Schlothen. 
I'm not going to correct you this time. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's just worth it. Fun times. <laughs> so we're here to we're here to talk about oh, a whole bunch of uh, Shadow Hearts games and this other game that I'm not even I'm, I'm gonna let Michael pronounce that one when it comes time, <clears throat> or I'll let Eris from Final Fantasy VII do it. I'm not sure. Um, so we're gonna take a quick small break, you see, and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. about the Shadow Hearts trilogy. Before we do that, we got to talk about this silly other loosely connected game called... Mike? Kodelka. Thank you. <clears throat> and this game called... Kodelka. ...was developed by uh, Sacknoth, published by SNK. Uh, this game called... Kodelka. ...was released in North America on June 29th, 2000 for your PlayStation Home Entertainment System. This game called... Kodelka. It is a single-player RPG experience coming to you not on one or two or three like that wimpy game Final Fantasy VII. No, this thing's coming on a mind-blasting four CD-ROMs. That's like halfway to a you know a DVD or something. Holy cow! Yes, and and amazingly, you can finish it in under twenty hours. That's <laughs> Easily, it's like, like five hours of CD. It's like you're listening less than that. CD. Yeah, it's like you're just. I finished the first CD in two and a half hours. <laughs> That's PlayStation game. That's impressive. <laughs> well, and, it, and of course, you'd think, oh, the graphics have to be beautiful if it t- takes up that much room. Well, what do you think, Sam? Are these beautiful graphics? They're kind of fugly. <laughs> they're not that bad. Okay, they're not that bad. But, no, I don't know. I can't see where place. some things are most of the time. Yeah, it's for like some where's this came out. door? <laughs> it's where's where you can't door? see it, of course, Sam. You gotta wander around the room until the camera angle changes. Why? For you. Don't you? Why love can't that? my psychic gypsy abilities fix the doors in this game? Huh? Seriously? Because Why doors can't have no powers? minds that gypsy that psychic powers could affect. There, I just get something deeper than the game I first ever expected. Yeah. By the way, guys, if you ever want to be creeped out, like really creeped out, do a Google image search of the title of this game. You'll see nothing but really creepy black and white photos <laughs> that aren't even related to the game. <laughs> that is intriguing, and I'm not doing that for fear of nightmares. <laughs> no, thank yeah, you. Yeah, if you could see what these things are that you're fighting, they might be kind of freaky. They kind of already are, the guy who hangs out on the ceiling and shoots you. <laughs> He's no my hand. favorite enemy. He's the only one I have encountered more than twice. Because there's a lot of palette swapping in the enemies for this one. Yes. are fighting a lot of spiders. Yes, I, I have encountered the spiders. I, I'm only on the beginning of disc two. And cockroaches, of course. Big, ugly cockroaches. Mm. And screaming little girls. There's a dude that looks like Leon Kennedy. Oh, yes, him. He swears a lot. And by like, swear, I mean, oh, heck. <laughs> five minutes. And goddamn, his other favorite word. Because everyone talked characters. like that in 1898 Wales, right? Well, come now. We have a character whose name is fun to say. A young man who's like, I want adventure, so I'm going in this creepy house. And a bishop who basically 
condemns you to hell every five minutes. That's all I've seen of him so far. <laughs> I don't know if he gets better, but right now I'm kind of not enjoying being told, hey, you're a bad person with your psychic abilities, and you're a creepo. Yeah, he his seems story a little is... pedo-ish. I'm not a fan of him so far. Oh. Do you want me to tell you why he's in there, Sam, or do you want to find that out on your own? Yeah, you can. The whole point of RPG Backtrack is you spoil things. I'm going to eventually finish it. <laughs> he's in there because he had a friend who set up the whole monastery being a creep show and they made an agreement years before that if one of them had a problem, the other one would come and fix it. And he's there to take, to take care of the mess that his friend made, you know, by using the book that tries to bring back the dead. So we <laughs> should explain manuscript. the plot. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a plot. Is there a there plot to this game? Plot. I haven't figured it out yet. Other than Aside, lots of stilted yeah. talking. Yeah. Kudelka shows up in there. She rescues Edward from a demon that's going to kill him and they wander around this mansion this i'm sorry this old monastery it's very creepy and yeah it's the plot slowly unveils itself and eventually you meet roger bacon yay roger bacon and that pervert and his porno reading magazines and you have to listen very closely because there are no subtitles and sometimes the audio goes a little too low to hear easily isn't that nice well yeah i mean everybody loves that this is the PlayStation era, honey. That happens fairly often in some games. Kudelka's <laughs> not the only offender of that one. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's more noticeable, definitely, Kudelka, that's for sure. Maybe I'm yep. cutting it less slack because it came out fairly late in the PS1's life. Could that be it? Maybe. Maybe. Jinx. And of, and of course, we're trying to have a survival horror slash RPG which with turn-based battles that happen randomly, because those are frightening. <laughs> to be I mean, fair, the, the game itself does actually remind me personally a lot of Resident Evil. Based on my experience with Parasite Eve 2, I have no desire to ever sample those tank controls, and only large sums of money being thrown at me would change my mind in the slightest on this. I just did not ha- do not have fun with that kind of control scheme. Yeah, take controls. Not great. Pretty much don't play the majority of survival horror games. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, I'm a I'm a huge Silent Hill fan, so tank controls are pretty much my bread and butter. <laughs> I said, well, don't play Galarian's Jooms as much as it's a cool idea. It also <laughs> has tank controls. And of course, those fixed camera angles, because you were talking about that, Sam. Aren't they great? Let's stop picking on the game. It's not that bad. <laughs> No, I'm picking on it, but I should say that I'm not doing it out of any real hatred. I'm not I'm just... sure. It's they, uh, is it fixed camera angles though? Because I, I thought the environments were more or less pre-rendered. They are, but there's some areas that are completely fixed, and you can't change the camera. No, what I mean is like, like, like if the environment is pre-rendered, like in Final Fantasy VII, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy IX, like, like, like it's a completely artistic background. It's it's static. So is it really a fixed angle if it's just if the room's just drawn weird? <laughs> hmm, that is an excellent point. <laughs> I, I just don't like how I can't that, see doors. Because <laughs> to be fair, the same thing happens in Shadow Hearts. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes, the first one. We'll get to that. Uh, and yes, uh, I'm sure you've noticed some of this by now, Sam, that you need to go around and make sure you've grabbed everything that you possibly can. Because you survival. just might need it Yep, for a puzzle. I don't think I've encountered too many puzzles yet. You will. I fell down a hole, and there was a little girl named Charlotte, and she was all like, I'm gonna murder you! And then I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess you're gonna murder me. And then Kudelka's like, I'm not afraid of you. And meanwhile, there's Edward being like, I am so terrified, I'm going to pee my pants. 
And that's all I've gotten out of the plot. And me going, wow, stereotypical creepy girl. I guess you're a vengeful spirit. Children are creepy. Children are creepy. I, 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 here, I guess here. their names are Nanako and, you know, Clementine, then yeah, the majority Clementine. of children are creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll meet Roger Bacon when we're when our heroes are exploring the monastery and they find That's a coffin cool. and they just kind of decide, hey, maybe if we open it, we'll find something. And oop, out pops Roger Bacon. He's a philosopher, right? He's... He's, he's a, kind he's a of a. Are oh, you talking about the real Roger Bacon or Shadow Hearts could milk Roger Bacon? No, this is the real Roger Bacon. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a perverted mystic guru type guy who also happens to look like an alien. <laughs> does, does he have porno magazines in Kudelka? That, that is my question. I don't remember. Because he has them in every other game, and there is always a quest to go find porno mags. Always. Well, and they are my favorite this... quests because they are really ridiculous. Well, in this one, he talks a fair amount, and he's got some goofy old man voice, but yep. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. See, I guess we should get into the mechanics of it a little bit, shouldn't we, Sam? What, Why what wouldn't you get any, How you get items randomly dropped from battles, and they can sometimes break in battles. Oh, yes, that. Breakable weapons. They are actually okay in this game, because you get a lot of them. Yeah, it's, it's not a major issue. It's but that, like, that also kind of ties into the survival horror aspect of it. Yeah. Because so many survival horror games use breakable weapons. That's true. Not, not that I love the idea of, of, of a knife having the resilience of a chocolate bar, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but no, yes, you're or, right. or a gun or an axe or that really expensive and ornate looking sword that broke after you used it three times because the game decided the, the RNG was against you today. Yeah. This axe is made out of licorice. Oh man, Oops. candy axes. I want That one. really was a chocolate axe. You melted the handle by holding it too long. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't think this game is entirely the worst defender for the breakable weapons because for the most part, they are plentiful. You get a lot. Uh, it's not like a game like Hexy's Force on the PSP where like your weapon breaks after like one usage. I've actually had really good luck with the weapons. Uh, actually, on the first disc, I had this magical axe, and it lasted like a good 40 hits before it finally like kicked the bucket. I was pretty mm-hmm. happy. Yeah. So it, it is pretty randomized, I guess, like how long the weapons actually last. I suppose it's kind of hard to find a balance because you, whenever there's any form of breakable weapons, you need to have other weapons at disposal. But you can't. It seems kind of weird and unnatural to have like a, a huge stockpile of them. Like uh, when I played uh, Silent Hill Origins, like all the weapons were breakable. But that unfortunately meant that my dude who was just running around in like a puffy jacket managed to hold like 40 televisions in his inventory. Like it, it gets to a point where you have to ask, like, could this person realistically hold so many things at once? <laughs> Somebody was Especially watching Yellow Submarine and got a hole in the pocket. <laughs> uh, yeah, and what you will come come across because the weapons don't break every every battle, is eventually an item limit, at which point you get the fun task of picking through and deciding what you don't need and disposing of it, ideally. You know how much you love limited inventories, Mike. You love them. <laughs> well, it, it didn't bother me too much here. Hey, Mike, remember silver? <laughs> what? What? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> 
it's like you're asking me to remember that time I broke my arm and I went to the doctor's office and the doctor said it without anesthesia because that was a better day than the time I played silver. I'm a horrible person. Continue. <laughs> music. Music in Kodelka, Sam. It's Isn't non-existent. It nice? There's two kinda, songs total. It kind of works to its atmosphere, though. In this- I, I actually like it. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> Yeah, I actually find the battle theme really irritating, though. It sounds like something out of like a 1970s like VIP room or something. I don't know. It's just really, really bad. VIP and the boss room. theme's no better. <laughs> like a, like a black exploitation film. I don't understand where you're going with this, Sam. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going anymore. Ouch! Wow! <laughs> Sexy times. <laughs> Kudelka, okay, let's just put those away. The two songs that exist in Kudelka both sound like they need to be in a 70s porno. Okay, I said it. There, done. <laughs> That's fair. I don't, I, to be fair, I don't think music is the strength of the entire Shadow Hearts series. Some people might disagree with me, but I just don't think it is. I don't think it's the biggest strength, but I think most of the music I've heard in the actual Shadow Hearts games is pretty good. Yeah, it's like it's not outstanding, but well, that's a lot of you talking about it here and there. But I can't find anything wrong with it. It's only there's a few tracks I remember liking. So. Well, then this is the thing, you know, we're picking on Kudelka, which is a game that has little to no music. But I mean, as we talk about the Shadow Hearts series further on, I mean, the music is very eclectic. It's very, it is very unique, and I actually quite love a lot of the music, especially in Covenant and in From the New World. So. It does have its strengths in terms of music. If and you want to battle talk about, themes get a hell of a lot better. It's true. I mean, if you want to talk about things like voice acting in this series, this series is made of special needs when it comes to voice acting. And I love it for it. <laughs> well, Sam, let's briefly give mention to how accurately Kodelka portrays people in 1898 Wales. <laughs> Not at all. Because <laughs> as we all know, it was made by a Japanese developer. What do you people expect? A Japanese I... developer that went to England to scout out a location to use for rendering the game. You know, I, I want to pick on the voice acting in this one in particular because what I've noticed with Kudelka in particular is the lady who voices Kudelka sounds so bored. <laughs> and it's like, wow, you, you don't actually care what's going on. Edwards just sounds like a nut job. Of course she doesn't. You already bought the game. <laughs> and, and, and James O'Flaherty, like, every so often the guy dips in and out of an accent. So you can't really tell, like, you know, O'Flaherty, Irish name, but no Irish accent. Except he when he feels like it. it. And he fails at it, and then he goes back to it. And it was very confusing, and I'm, I'm so confused. The Scottish person in me doesn't understand. <laughs> And I must, we must make sure to mention that Give a Rat's Ass was apparently in common usage in 1898. Oh man, those Welsh people. The Welsh are ahead of their time. Very much. They are are so potty mouth compared to those Irish and Scotch. My goodness, rat's ass. (laughs) Goodness gracious me. Otherwise, though, I thought the text was pretty good in the game. Actually, I'm from what I've played so far, you know, it is actually really good. Like, compared to, I mean, especially the first Shadow Hearts, where you have a couple moments where, like, does this, huh? <laughs> um, I know I had a few of those moments, but so far from what I've played in Kudelka, the story is actually really interesting. You know, I, I tease and I poke at it, but it's only because it does play on some very stereotypical horror tropes. 
that, yes, I'm sure the world's gotten over, but darn is it really fun when it's done right. Well, they didn't kill a black guy, so that helps. This is true. <laughs> I, I, I really yeah, don't... It, it was, it, black guys would have been whales at that point in time. <laughs> not very many. <laughs> oh, man. But, like I said, I'm, I've enjoyed what I've played. It's just one of those games, though, where it is a little... I'm finding it a little slow-moving. Because it's not very good at telling you what you need to do. Well, it's very the simple. The system is also very special. It's weird, but what it, what it considers a temporary save is good enough. So I don't really understand it being temporary or being permanent. Because a temporary works just the same. You just, you just don't get healed in that room. That's how I feel about most RPGs that use temp saves, though. Like, I don't feel like they're really well implemented <laughs> as a design concept. No, they really aren't. Like, I've been really confused as to what Kudelka like, thinks is an actual save, right? <laughs> so I've just been saving, thinking, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> different. It's funny because um, Scott, which all the listeners know, you, my husband, whatever you want to call him, he comes upstairs and he goes, Where's save points don't exist in this game? And I was like, if they do, I haven't seen one. He goes, look at the giant S on your screen. Isn't that just so useful? It's telling you to save, Sam. Like, I've saved four times now because it won't stop coming on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Do this now. (laughs) It likes to remind me because the one thing I've noticed that's really irritating about the save system is you never know which button you're supposed to hit to get it to come off the screen. So I have That's to, like, true. circle, like, four times before the game's like, okay, you don't want to save anymore. That's cool. And me going, oh, my God. I don't See, want I, to save yeah, Most save systems in general are really weird. I'm currently playing the last story, and I feel like every time I walk into a room with a save point, I get a notification saying that my game has autosaved. <laughs> and then, well, it's like, you can save it. <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> well, that just sounds like Halo. It's just making me feel paranoid. <laughs> I mean, I'm the obsessive saver. Oh, yeah, I'm me too. Lie. Like, when I played Artanelico 3, I totally got the save achievement, which basically was like, save a hundred times. But that's also because I'm paranoid that I'm going to lose. <laughs> so I do it like 12 times, and I say, okay, now I'm done. <laughs> but yes, the save system in this game is precious. <laughs> so precious. Oh my goodness, Kudelka, I need to finish you. <laughs> it really won't take you very long. You've probably noticed how fast your levels go up by now, right? I, I, I mean, I beat the first disc in two hours. <laughs> should yeah. tell you something. I, I suppose it's pretty telling that this was uh, Sanok's first effort, you know, just by all the design choices. Not to say it's a bad game, but it's just a, a lot of the stuff just wasn't necessarily carried over. No... Well, if you notice, uh, what really was carried over? The atmosphere and Roger Bacon. <laughs> Roger Bacon. Yep, yep Bacon. Well, d- well don't, don't forget, Kodelka herself does appear in the first Shadow Hearts. Yes, I found her, but I played Shadow Hearts 1 first, and I didn't know who the hell she was. <laughs> I found okay. her, and I was like, who's yeah, this <laughs> can, can we move on to that subject? Because there was some, some cheap shots and some cracks made about how uh, Kodelka is is not really part of the Shadow Hearts series. And and even if... It, you can't consider it a spinoff, because some stuff from Kodelka does carry over into Shadow Hearts, so it's obviously a precursor. There may be some weak connections there, but I mean, Kodelka is mentioned in Shadow Hearts, and some of the characters from Kodelka come back in Shadow Hearts, so... Yes, well, I was going to say, doesn't uh, O'Flaherty, he's in the first Shadow Hearts, and so is Edward, both of them. You mm. meet O'Flaherty, I think, like, right at the beginning of the first Shadow Hearts. 
Like, he's one of the priests you meet in one of the towns. Yep. And then I remember, because I was like, when I saw him come on the screen in Kudelka, I was like, okay, you're actually familiar. Kudelka <laughs> I knew about because, you know, after finishing Shadow Hearts 1, I went and I researched the series. And I was like, okay, so this Chicky Poo is in her own game that I can't find anywhere. Great. <laughs> Well, before we go over the first Shadow Hearts, let's talk about one big way they differ from Kodelka, the combat itself. <laughs> judgment ta- ring. No judgment ring in Kodelka. None. No judgment ring. Which is unfortunate. Instead, it's a vaguely tactical thing that you move forward a few steps, the enemy moves forward a few steps, and if you get to a row that the enemy's occupying, then you can't move past it, and neither can the enemy. And... Yeah, there's a sort of strategy there, yeah. Plus, you can fire, uh, you can attack adjacently, which is kind of interesting. Diagonally. I say diagonally. Yeah. Not adjacently. Word's hard. Was, well, I was yeah. going to say, I'm going to kill my own guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Magic is also different in this game, too. Yeah, you level the spells by using them. And at high levels, there are huh, high levels. There are two levels. There are three levels one, two, and three for your spells. Again, that shows how short the game is. I do like that it's use based, though. I, I have been enjoying the use base aspect myself. And I like being able to play with the stats as I see fit, which is really nice. Like when you level up, you can put points into your stats. I like that. Mm. Especially because, yep. yeah, like, Kudelka cool. like, blows stuff up now in one turn, and it's kind of awesome. Yeah, but don't you, don't you also kind of get kind of concerned? Because whenever someone yes. is telling me that I can assign my own attribute points, part of me is like, like uh, approaching it like defusing a bomb. Like, <laughs> Like, don't fuck this up, try it. <laughs> you get four with each level, and the game makes you use all of them in one go, and it even tells you what each stat does on the screen. Yeah. Well, there, are a few, there are a couple for each character that you can probably mostly ignore, but you want to go for a balanced approach generally. If you just put a whole bunch into strength, then suddenly you won't be able to hit a damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's just it. Like, you know, everybody plays with those types of stat systems differently but for the most part if you don't do a balanced approach you do screw yourself over but i always try to do like two points into something that's really useful for the character and then i would use the other two for other things like upping their vitality or upping their magic defense depending on how sucky it is (laughs) i'm looking at you edward (laughs) and i one more thing about it it moves pretty slow yes you get Why to watch them Edward... slowly traipse over the field and slowly carry out their actions. Okay, what's every Edward? Yeah, I was going to say, why does every Edward in every RPG kind of suck? This I, guy I is better than the bard. He is not a spoony <laughs> bard. <laughs> it's true, he can and, whack things really good. And frankly, because Summit Entertainment is constantly on the search for ways to milk Twilight, I'm sure there will be a Twilight RPG somewhere where Edward will suck. Which is suck fair. and blow? <laughs> and sparkle! Oh man, gotta have sparkles. <laughs> yes, the power of sparkling in an RPG. What will it do? It has all the abilities. You know what? I think we've really derailed now. Oh, let's I, I, move I on to the first time. time yes. <laughs> All right. We need, we need to spin a judgment ring to save us from this. <laughs> Whoa. All righty. How about no? <laughs> this is wonderful. This is beautiful chaos. You stop now. You know what's beautiful chaos? Shadow Hearts for the PlayStation 2. Developed by Sacknith. Uh, published by Midway. This, uh, let's see, this was released in North America on December 12, 2001. Uh, Shadow Hearts is a single player RPG experience coming to you on one blessed DVD ROM. 
and and also packed full of greasy goodness with its very own Roger Bacon. <laughs> what is it with Roger Bacon? I, I, I didn't quite get the whole Roger Bacon reference throughout all the game. I, I, is it a joke or something? I, I, is there a real Roger Bacon person? What What is that? Well, he's yeah, a real yeah, person. The Roger Bacon, he's a real person. Roger Bacon was a monk from some ago. He's the guy who created the Western development of gunpowder. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a monk from the 13th century. And and is the fact that he's in they're using his name here is it kind of funny or so, did I just totally miss it? Did, did it, it, the real Roger Bacon probably didn't look kind of like Yoda, yeah. but th- <laughs> there were no photographs in that period, so who knows? Don't be too harsh. It's it's hard to do faces this early into CGI. Yeah, this is true. All, all, all the trying to make him look like an alien. He looks like UFO. Yes. Uh, any guy who gives you the opportunity to name him in every game, except it's all a fake out, and every name is something along the lines of strange creature or weird being, <laughs> you know you're not looking at your standard guru, whatever you yeah. want to call him. <laughs> now, again, yeah, there's a flying monster has a is a vending machine that sells these ridiculously powerful weapons. I mean, this guy's just crazy. Yeah. Well. Um, he's the he's the reason why I think I bought the game, to be honest. Because I, I remember being in a video game store and seeing this this game on the shelf that was published by Midway. So I was really confused by the cover art because I assumed that it had to somehow be like a racing game or a spy game or something. Yes, Midway, noted RPG publisher. <laughs> so reading the back and seeing that it was like a like a a, a role playing game, and then see like if you look at the front cover, it looks like his his head is is trying to consume Yuri's head, but he's just like this floating giant head in the sky. That's why I bought the game. <laughs> of course. Because I was really confused by the cover art. <laughs> well, um, I'll go on a record by saying I played this, like, not, e- not that long, like, after it came out. It's been, like, a long time since I played the game. So I'm going to leave you guys mostly to talk about the uh, the plot and the such. But um, uh, the second one, I'm recent. I'm still I'm actually playing the second one now. So I can at least speak to it because I, I played it. And the third one I played a bit, you know, back in the day. I didn't beat it, but I put some good time into it. But uh, this one is the furthest away from my memory because it's been, like, almost a decade since I played it. So uh, why doesn't somebody who's played it more recently tell us about the, uh, the plot? I guess I'll step in since I haven't been talking about it tonight. Uh, Yay! Yay! Because I played this when it came out, too. Yay <laughs> for bad memories. Yeah, I played this when it came out, and then I think I replayed But I never finished it, then I replayed it some years later, so it's a little bit more recent than that in my head. Basically, well, this game I can, is... I can help you if you need it. Okay. Basically, this game is, tells the story of Yuri, the guy who... Well, I forget the exact term, the word they use for it, but he has a power... Harmonixer. Yeah, yeah basically thing. a shapeshifter. Yeah, he can basically take on the power of demon. He uses them to fight evil things. Basically, the entire thing starts off with him rescuing a girl on a train from this evil Roger Bacon, who is, in fact, not the Roger Bacon we've been talking about. It's, in fact, the guy who takes on Roger Bacon's name, Albert Simon. Albert Simon, that's, yes. That's revealed in the who? second half of the game. But he is the villain well, it's the not a very long game. Hell no, it's not very long. Like, what, 30 hours, maybe? You can do everything? If that, yeah. You can beat it in under yeah. 20 if you push. Yeah, I remember it. That that part, I remember it being pretty short. Yeah, there's a lot of fun to do on the side if you don't just push through it, but not too much. So this isn't a game with tons of side quests, just a handful. Anyways, like, Harry rescues the girl Alice from the evil Roger Bacon, also known as Albert Simon or whatever. And thus, it turns out this is a girl with powerful abilities to help 
it's just called something called demonized, but to see spiritual stuff and be aware of it or something. Basically, mm. it's just a little. Uh, I think it's just basically a normal girl who got caught up in all things because she has supernatural powers that don't even do all that. I was gonna say, isn't she like an exorcist? Yeah, you're right. She's kind of basically something an exorcist. like that. Just, yeah, she her dad was killed six months prior by, I think it oh, was Albert Simon who killed her dad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Yuri's guided by like a some sort of schizo voice, right? Yes. Yeah, just yep. weird voice messes with Ted, which is much. Who it turns much out that exactly voice Kodelka. is Kodelka. Yep. <laughs> Mostly though, she's a person that sends out psychic waves to him, which cause him horrible pain. <laughs> Hooray! Isn't she loving? <laughs> yeah, she had a kid in the interim. A kid who Midway translated the name of as Hallie, when it should have been Harry. Whoops. <laughs> uh, also, this kid kind of grew up without his parents and turned into a psychic thug kid. Well, yeah, leading all the orphans on the streets of London. Again, that's later. First half of the yeah. game is China, not London. And yes, because meets Susan. Or, or whatever you want to is call it. Is it China? Uh, yeah, it's China. It's uh, Manchuria, like, right? It's Manchuria, but so, yeah, so the game doesn't cool. do a very good job of kind of explaining the historical event that's going on between the Chinese yeah. and the Manchurians. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just say the Northern China. Is kind of, this is just a background <laughs> thing. Yeah, basically, the histori- a lot of these games take place amidst cool historical backgrounds, and they really get mangled a lot. This one really mangles it. As in, I just, you don't really get much impression of all what's going on, but oh well. And technically speaking, this game setting is like alternate parallel universe to our Earth, right? It's basically like, there's some our elements Earth that carry monsters going around. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember most of Shanghai being destroyed by a demonic surge of power. Yuri experienced, but it's, that it's, may have just been missed in the history books. No, it's, it's yeah, basically. Uh, basically, the story of the first half of China. A uh, powerful Chinese mystic guy attempts to summon the, the powerful. They call this the entity called the Seraphic Radiance. Basically, he tries to summon a god down to the planet to wipe away all the people invading China. That's it. Yeah, because I, I remember it happening on the Trans-Siberian Railway, but I also remember it being like kind of steampunk. You know what I mean? Not really steampunk. It's just that era, really, outside of magic, the magical phenomenon going on. Hmm. Let's see. I want to mention Marguerite because she was a cool character. Yeah, she was a crazy spy who was kind of out. She's like the female Doesn't... James Bond wannabe who was running around trying to. Say, doesn't she drop like saucepans and crap on people's heads? Yes, yeah, her and her greatest was... attack is to call a biplane in that drops bombs on the enemy. That's yeah, even her... more hilarious when you're doing the final battle, which is up in an orbit. Yeah, her, <laughs> her superpowers basically. I mean, her superpowers are oversized cell phones. That's what she does. That's why she keeps up with vampires and people who turn to demons. And wasn't it like a Zach Morris phone? Yeah, just the massive, yeah, the block. <laughs> okay, that makes it all the better then. Yeah. And I, her, I, her, I remember that. Her name was Malkovich. <laughs> that's right. I love it. Oh my it. goodness, yes. <laughs> and that's where you get to see Midway's attention to loving detail when she speaks both English and Japanese in the same line. <laughs> yeah, I could use some help here. The Matahari. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And in Europe, you meet Keith Valentine. The first of the vampires in the series. And the only one who actually takes it remotely seriously. The vampire thing. But yeah, that's he takes like, it after seriously, Chinese... but he's like Voltaire at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> he sings vamp- and dances for you. Vampires are not very threatening in this universe. He's like half a century old, too, isn't he? He's a lot older than that. Yeah, right, yeah. You mean half a millennium? I remember him joining your party because he had nothing better to do. 
Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah that's, that's right. <laughs> well, everyone's afraid of him. It's like you walk into town that they're hiding string cloves of garlic from the windows, and everyone's living in this utter fear and terror. And then you walk in, and this is this pleasant vampire guy who greets you. There's nothing much to stand, but he's like the least scary vampire ever. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're a vampire of good breeding, then the sun doesn't bother you, crosses don't bother you, garlic doesn't bother you. I'm not sure what bothers him actually. <laughs> Maybe sibling issues, but. Oh wait, wait! Yes, I know what bothers him. People making noise in his castle's tower. Ah, yes. You see, after the everything goes wrong in China, main hero Yuri basically gets taken over by demon power, goes insane, flies off to Europe. Everyone chases after him, and thus begins the Europe story, which is basically tracking down Albert Simon to stop his evil scheme to uh, basically summon a god to wipe out all of mankind. Yeah, and he's seen the future. Of- he thinks humanity is. Uh, unredeemable, and so he's going to summon an alien that could be regarded as a god to puny humans like ourselves, and it'll just clean up the whole planet by destroying humanity. And it has like a grasshopper face for a head. It's called yes. a meta-god. <laughs> yep, and you fight it on a gigantic myst- mystical symbol that apparently takes up the entirety of the Earth's diameter, and yet nobody noticed it back in that summer of 1913. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the <laughs> Actually, looking back at all the Shadow Hearts games, all the settings are kind of weird. They're mostly historical stuff with weird stuff added because this is a weird series. Everything about it is weird. It just gets <laughs> yeah. weirder for the go. It's like, why did you pick this place and this year and these people? Like, <laughs> actually, it's interesting that they do throw so many unusual places in history that kind of start to feel a little bit more respect in video games. Yeah. And we mentioned the fusion. I just want to say it now, but while I'm still remembering, Sam, remember that picture I showed you of Yuri's fire fusion? Oh my god, yes. He seriously what looks like the, the tick. Hell? He really yeah. does look like the tick when he's in a fire fusion. It's a forearm, I think. Yeah, well, that even cements it further if the tick had been more anatomically correct, but let's not go there. <laughs> Yeah, basically, Yuri has all kinds of different forms he can take. One for each of the game's elements. He's got a fire form, a water form, a wind form, an earth form, a light form, and a dark form. Uh, this is all kind of cool, actually. These, they have three levels as you, you unlock as you... It is, yeah. I, I do wish... But after playing the later two games, I kind of wish you could have more than three forms available for any one battle. The game makes you choose which ones you want to take into a fight. Yeah, I forgot that that's a pain. A really big pain. But at least and I, this game is... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go first. Hey, so at least I love the way this game costs these transformations, though, that you can just use them every fight, because transformations don't require MP or anything. They require your sanity. You have to give a huge chunk of his sanity to transform into a demon, because every character has sanity points. Uh, you have them at a full gauge at the start of battle, and they drain off one point every turn. And Yeah, so if we're going to go on the mechanics, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's my territory now. See, that I let you guys handle I can claim whatever territory I want. Yeah, Ooh. well, okay, so sanity points, as you you're, you're kind of going through real quick is yes every character has so many sanity points and as the battle is wearing on every turn they lose one of those sanity points which is indicative of them facing these horrific demonic otherworldly just disgusting creatures whatever that may be and um, and uh, I don't remember in the first game but I'm loving playing the second game where the uh, the lady on the team even though she is a lieutenant and she has all this battle training and upbringing she has 
four sanity points to start out with. Whereas, yep, of course, yeah, all the guys true. have like six and ten, and the hero has like twenty-five. You know, she's got four because she's a chick. So well, that's right after World War One. You know, normal people get. What's that? It's right after World War One, so maybe she is. She uh, is a lo- post-traumatic stress. She's like a lieutenant. <laughs> World War One. If she was a lady, later game. Right. If she was a lady yeah. off the street, that's I would understand. Yeah. Okay, I, I would understand if she was a lady off the street. Alice, uh, I you know maybe I don't remember Alice's story, but this. This is okay. like she's lieutenant. Alice does not have very many sanity points, and that is a pain in the butt when you get a long boss fight. Okay, yeah, so Alice has seven sanity points for even like major boss battles. Battles can easily last for like fifteen turns, so you have to keeping her sane is the biggest challenge of any boss fight in this game. So when you <laughs> when you run out, Meanwhile, of... other just like the vampire, he's got forty. Yeah, when you <laughs> when you run out of sanity points, uh, your character goes crazy, and yeah, sometimes or... I let them run out of sanity points just to see what the hell they'll do because like the dog <laughs> in the second, oh, we will get there in a second. But anyways, but yes, they do some fun. I mean, usually they're whacking each other. They may whack the boss they may whack you it's all crazy you generally don't want them to go insane but if you're just looking for a fun time you know sometimes you let them run out now here's here's my question you guys for the mechanics aspect of it does this not just feel like a third unnecessary stat with hit hit points and magic points we know what those are we know why those are in rpgs did sandy points serve any purpose but to be a third attribute that you had to keep especially on the weaker people just kind of keep refilling i mean what was the i i don't get it i just okay there are two points I love study points for two reasons. One, they, as I was trying to say earlier, they make Yuri's power work really well. It's a great way to make his demon transformations really fun and easy to use. So you can use them every fight, but there's always a risk of doing it. What's and the he risk those bonuses do? for going insane, which is kind of fun to work. <clears throat> The second point of sanity points is that they kind of add to the flavor. Like, you're fighting these horrible, monstrous things, and Shadow Hearts in particular is trying to be kind of a creepy game. It's very much in the Lovecraftian idea of just, fighting off these horrible things. But it just ends things. up boiling and down to it, it, on boss battles, because on regular battles, you always kill them before you run out of sanity points. So on boss battles, it just came to it just came down to make sure you throw Alice or whoever, one of those sanity berries or whatever the heck they were called, every four rounds to keep them sane. It just ended up being something else in the rotation that I had to do when dealing with bosses that, la- you know, bosses would generally last longer than Alice's sanity. Uh, well, also, again, it matters most of all for the one character who uses that up, and that's Yuri, and it I, really works well for him. So yeah, it's worth I mean, it but I, I don't know if I ever ran out, even with Yuri and his transformations. I don't remember too many times where I had to I mean, throw him a hell Well, okay, his ultimate transformation, Amon, when you first get it, he'll drop him to, like, four sanity. When it makes it almost impossible for him to use, so. I mean, he's got that issue. Yeah, Person, personally, I like sanity points uh, for a bit of a different reason than what Nathan stated i i think it makes you approach every battle as if it's nom like you have to be efficient in how you approach things because you could your characters can lose their mind like it it, i don't know like i i i it made me be more efficient in battles and i and i understand your point about boss fights how they're already unnecessarily long so you just need to keep replenishing something but at least it's another thing to be accountable for so i think it adds an, an, an extra layer to the game of course that's you know there's items like, you know, the huge jar, which increases your stats, the cost to make your study run out faster, which is kind of interesting that adds extra difficulties trying to keep people sane during long boss fights. I mean, the, the, economy of, the, the economy of actions that you normally see in a JRPG battle, we all know about economy of actions. It just basically, if you don't start, if you don't take down a boss within the seven rounds when you have to start replenishing what's her name, and then a few more rounds later, you'll have to start replenishing other people as well. It be, essentially, the punishment will be that the economy of actions will start turning against you much harder. 
here. Because now on top of trying to heal everybody, keep their hit points up, you know, while you're trying to keep everybody buffed, oh, by the way, you better, now you're going to have to start worrying about sanity as well. And that's, I kind of like that thing of RPGs, you know, when boss fights make you start, you know, have to manage things and not just run through things smoothly and have the extra complications you need to worry about. And that's one thing I like about them. To be fair, if it were not for sanity points as well as the judgment wheel, the, the battle system would be pretty mediocre. It'd yeah, be very conventional. Yeah, it would be very kind of limited battle system without those elements. Yeah, in in this one in particular, without the sanity points in the judgment ring, what have you got? You've got standard turn based. Here, we're going to stand yeah, in a row. The enemy stand in a row. Let's whack each other. Yeah, and, and then also it, the characters it, only yeah. have so many. Each character only has like five moves, maybe other than Yuri. So That's yeah, what I'm and then learn them through standard leveling up. And after playing the later two games, this really bugs me that you have to take pick three people and stick with them, and the other three just hang around somewhere, and they don't get anything unless you go back and switch characters. Yeah, and like the later games where everybody travels in a group, and even the guys who aren't in a fight get some side experience. Yep. Yeah. Well, it, it was like I said. It's just when I think when you get low on sanity points, it's not like oh my god, I'm out of sanity points. It's just oh well, I got one more one more type of healing I have to do every three rounds with my character because I'm not going to let them run out of sanity points. That's just that's just asking you for death. You haven't accidentally let you haven't accidentally had Alice go insane three times during the final boss. That's what I'm saying. You don't want them to run out of yeah. You don't you don't let your characters interesting when they do. You don't let your characters run out of sanity points. It's 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 weird how you're describing this phil because you sound to me like a gardener who's like oh i have to go back outside and water my watermelons again you know (laughs) and realistically speaking like if you aren't going back back outside and watering your watermelons you're just sitting around you know? No, well, and, no, and, and a, usually, an added thing the, the, for you to usually in the bat in, in Shadow Hearts in the battles, I'm trying to keep my buffs up. I'm trying to keep people healed, and I'm trying to attack. And that's generally what you're doing in most, you know, JRPGs. Anyways, you're doing those, you know, those three things, and or you may also be trying to apply debuffs to the, you know, enemy character. But you're generally bouncing, you know, bouncing those three things in the in the air. With Shadow Hearts, once you get into a boss battle, you're just adding that fourth layer. I'm asking, you know, of, the, of basically having a different type of healing you have to keep on. To so you're replenishing their hit points, you're replenishing their plus buffs, and you're replenishing the sanity bar. And does does that really go? I think the first two times I saw them run out of sanity and gone crazy, that was like, oh my god, that is so hilarious, that's so taste. Oh my god, I'm about to die. Yeah, I'll never let that happen again. It's kind of cool the first few times it happens. You're right, it adds a lot of flavor to the game. But then after that, you're you're damn sure you're not going to let them run out again. So you're just going to make sure you keep up with the berries or whatever have you every three to four turns on every character. Yeah, um, but but. That- that said, I don't think that all forms of replenishing are equal because the outcome is different. Like, if you don't replenish your health, you die. If you don't replenish your MP, you can't use skills. If you don't replenish your sanity points, your character goes berserk. You lose control. Right. So, like, it, it, there's enough difference there that I don't see it as just another thing to take care of. I see it as an added layer that you have to pay attention to. I don't think you want them to... I think you'd rather them die than run out of sanity points because if they die, at least they're not going to come and kill you. Every (laughs) once in a while, every once in a while, I will admit, if you run out of sanity points and you're super lucky, I've had this happen before, if you run out of sanity points and your insane person attacks the boss, and they usually hit really hard when they're insane. Uh, Sometimes you'll get lucky on that last whacking and wipe the boss out, but I promise you, if it doesn't whack the boss off, you don't want them to go insane because then they'll start whacking your characters. It's even worse than if they were dead. You'd rather they were dead. And then, of course, now, it's true that if you let them go insane and they kill the boss, then uh, they don't get anything after the 
fight, right? Right. Yeah, no experience. And, right. and, the, and the, 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 the fun part is once they go insane, they continue to lose sanity points. They go into the negatives. So <laughs> you can you can you don't get to them. And those I, – I don't know. I can't remember if later on the game you got better insanity replenishing deals. But playing Shadow Hearts 2 right now in the first half, I've got a berry that does 3-4 if I hit the red part of the ring, which isn't a whole lot. So if I let them go insane for more than a couple of turns, they are at a point where even one berry ain't going to do anymore. Yeah, mm. but but it is really fun when the dog picks a piss on something. Anyway, so <laughs> that, that, okay, number number two, the, the, the other thing that we talk about that makes judge. Uh, no, we've got, we've still got some stuff with this one. Yeah, well, we we're talking about the mechanics, right? Because we started talking. Yeah, we haven't talked about the judgment ring itself. That's right. Yet, that's what I'm talking. We? That's what I'm saying. The second thing is the judgment ring. Yep. So, <laughs> and I've often said in many RPG backtracks in the past, this is just the most awesome thing you know ever. Um, I'm going to put an asterisk on it today after playing this for like the last week but yes every time you attack an enemy you use an item you cast a spell there you a needle goes around a ring it shows you orange areas uh and a, and a smaller red area if you hit the orange area you hit if you hit the smaller red area you do a, a harder hit and if you hit the areas in between because you missed well you will totally whiff the attack there's different type of rings you can set up you can set up a ring like on my main character now i use just uh that's only know, in the second and third ones you can't uh, really change it in the first yeah. one Stuck yeah, in the first game is fifth. But first, you can, first one's fifth, but the second second one you can have like a three-sectioned ring or a two-sectioned ring or a one-sectioned ring. But you can on the first one still enhance that ring, right, by equipping no. items or anything, slow it I down, speed so. it up, nothing? Uh, there, there, are, there are only a couple things that – What's that? There are a couple oh, things that will uh, um, double the, the speed – Double the power by making the ring invisible, that sort of thing. But Ooh. you can't actually go in there and enlarge the hit radius or switch it from to a practice ring or a super skilled ring type. That's that's only later. Okay. So, and then the later iterations, then, you will be able to modify the hit zones and what they do, add effects. Yep. Enemies will hit you with status effects. My favorite one today was the small ring. Suddenly, my ring's really small, and I'm like, even on my big screen TV, I'm like, where the hell is the needle on that thing? <laughs> you know, small ring syndrome and things like that. So, uh, I think that was really cool. I've said this before, said this a million times, that when yeah, I'm playing JRPGs compared to tabletop, and tabletop, you roll the dice. And even though it's a completely random, the fact that those dice are in your hand and you throw it at the table provides a, a tactile, sensational feedback thing that just keeps players coming back to the table and over and over again. We went into JRPGs, Final Fantasy and stuff. We went into this world where the computer just said, you hit or you miss and you do three points of damage. And and it took away some of that. But with this, the Judgment Ring, the the idea that you're playing this very fast wheel, um, you feel like you're back in that tactical sensation. You were leaning over in your chair going, hit that red part bam 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 and that's really cool <laughs> yeah, uh, the person doesn't really like dice also yeah just running is awesome one of the great things that makes the show sort of stand out in the game uh, we kind of tricky things like oh you have to hit these three squares while the ring is moving fast before you can hit the main bonus like so there's four different targets to hit just a single spell off or yeah yeah like it's three different chances to attack for each ring run and stuff like that i really like a lot about it and it's the the best ailments in any video game ever, practically, are just stuff like invisible ring or fast ring. Fast ring, so you yeah. Put the ring while it's moving like three <laughs> or, times. Or random ring. 
Oh, random ring is nasty. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, I, I really like the judgment ring, but there are you do get to a point after playing for a long time where you're just kind of like, okay, this just feels like I'm taking up time because like you you get skilled enough that you'll always hit the red every time. You know how fast the thing's gonna go. Like you'll never miss, and you have to yeah, do I it during every mini game, during every transaction, during every battle. So sometimes it becomes so second nature that the ring itself almost you becomes. You can pick auto rings. Well, I mean, the thing <laughs> the that, second one, anyways. I can create the, the ring can be a little repetitive. Some way that can be kind of fun. I mean, that's the point where you equip. If you get so good at the game, the ring feels automatic. Equip the accessory that makes the ring invisible for both suits to damage. I mean, that's what I did for Yuri. I got three perfect speed reliable even with an invisible ring, and that just started becoming fun rather than tedious. Well, there's – so I'll tell you my little asterisk, my little mm, you know, crankiness with the ring that I didn't develop until play, I'm playing the second one. Now, I, I don't think I, I picked up on this in the first one, so I don't know if the meta rules are a little different on the first one or if I just didn't notice. But what makes me a little cranky about the second ring is that I can nail those areas or even nail the red areas. Uh, I did this one attack today where I hit all three red areas and it said, perfect. And I'm like, yes, and my character moves forward to attack and she misses. I'm like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> what the? So there still is math, you know, kind of behind it. And it kind of reminds me of the complaints of um, Alpha Protocol that people got really ticked off because they would hold a gun to the guy's head, you know, be right in the crosshairs. They pulls the trigger and he misses and yeah. and because there's a dice rolling on, behind it. Based on well, dice rolls. That's stupid. And, and Yeah. And so that's <laughs> what I kind of well, that's, that's, that's what I kind of felt with this judgment ring when I got all three reds and I still miss. So wait, I thought I'm rolling. I'm playing the wheel to see if I'm going to hit or be critical or whatever, you know, and, and, and so there's a little disconnect there sometimes. I mean, most of the time it works out. I just, I literally just imagined Phil playing Wheel of Fortune, hitting everything on the mark, <laughs> and then the guy being like, well, let's ask the audience if you get money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aww. You know, it's, it's like you just passed up, you just passed up bankrupt and you hit $5,000 and you're like, is there an R? There's five R's. Oh, oh wait, somebody just moved that wheel back to bankrupt for you. <laughs> One of the oh, other sorry, bud. Bad luck. <laughs> so there's there, you know, and then sometimes you'll hit the normal parts of the ring, and you'll critical. Uh, you'll still critical when you hit the enemy, and it'll do more damage than if you had hit the red critical areas of the wheel or whatever they're called. So it, it's kind of a mixed message, at least in the second one. I don't know if the rules are the meta rules are a little different in the first and third one, but that's just an observation. Not a big huge whoopee do because generally, if you hit the red areas, you're going to generally do more damage, and if you miss a part of the wheel, your whole attack is whiffed anyway so you don't want to miss well if you if you miss after you've hit something on a basic attack then you'll still carry out the first or the first couple strikes and then you'll just stop yeah depending on the wheel that you're using in the second one anyways with with a spell or anything except for the basic attacks though then yeah if you miss once oops you just wasted your turn oops you wasted oh do they have and they don't have combos in the first one right no so we'll talk about that in the next one yeah we'll we'll talk about that one next one so i mean those are the mechanics and i think i mean yeah like y'all said it adds a lot of flavor there there is there is another mechanic as well the The malice system malice fusion yeah. yeah, yeah, malice. Malice. So talk about malice, Trent. Since you brought it up, I don't want to. Yes, you brought it up. You got to talk about you it. You brought it up, Trent. You brought you it must up. Want to talk about it? You got to own it. No, I was actually going to go a different direction and talk about the guild cards near shopping, but never mind. We're still talking about fighting. Yep, combat. So I'm talking about malice. 
Somebody okay, go for it. I'll go. I'll go then. As you find as you fight through the game, everything you kill slowly drips into a malice meter, which is the manifestation of four masks that dwell within Yuri's own mind. And if you let that malice meter get too high, if you let it max out, then the next time you get into a fight, a very very strong enemy will come along and most likely rip you to shreds. Which is why you need to go into Yuri's mind, which can only be done at a save point in order to tamp down the malice. And you do this by getting into a fight, which is usually pretty easy, and it's Yuri by himself, and you will need to do this many, many times. Did anybody let that malice just get to an ugly point? Because I didn't. Yeah, well, okay. There's one point. In the first game, it's like, basically, it's just a pain if you let it go, but at the same time, you get the best ending, you need to let it go without malice, and that's basically it. It's just tedium, except if you're trying to get the good ending of the game. Right? That's all I could say about it, at which point it's just more tedium. You just need to let it build up in order to get the stuff you need to to beat the game, good ending. Well, I got the good ending, and now I'm trying to remember how I did it. Uh, there's a fight. Okay, Al- go ahead. Basically, the good ending is the fact that halfway through the game, Alice makes a deal for these terrible things called the mask, which basically means that if you don't do a certain thing, she dies at the end of the game. There's, there's four this. masks, right? Yep. Yeah, there's four yeah. masks, which are things associated with different suits of a terrible deck, I think. Anyways, the basically at the second half, the first half of the game, when the malice builds up, you fight this shadow of Yuri called Foxface. In the second half, you fight the mask. You need to do some. Basically, it's not easy, but you need to beat the masks in order to get before a certain point in the game in order to get the good ending. If you don't beat the four masks by accumulating malice, then you will get the normal ending. That's pretty true. And the yeah, normal you... ending is canon, by the way, which is funny. Yeah, the normal get... ending, which Alice dies, the canon one for the next game. The bad you get ending. you get an item that actually tells you the order to fight the masks in, and if you do it that way, they're pretty easy, and they give you a ton of experience, which is why I fought them in the first place. They, they seriously gave me, like, ten levels by the time I was done fighting them. <laughs> that sounds like a good way to level up to get the Surfing Radiance. And, yeah, then, if you've done that, then near the end of the game, Alice has to take on uh, some manifestation of malice in Yuri's head, and if you did that, then Yuri will come there and help her, because otherwise she... Well, Alice is just not that great at fighting, Alice sucks at everything other than healing. Great healer, but not much else. Yeah, and she gets... And because the developers were pervs, they decided to make her final attack show you up her skirt, even though she wears the shortest skirt ever. Yeah. Because when she has a beam from a floating pyramid incinerate the enemies. (laughs) Sam! It looks like like the topic of Alice brings up verbalities from you. Wait, we we talked about the future. We talked about how he absorbed... How he becomes the tick? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. And there is one other thing about the fusions in this one. You need to fight enemies of the right element. Otherwise, you won't get any souls to use to power up your fusions. So this basically means grinding them in a few places you can fight the enemies of the right element. Yep. Yeah. Between this and Malice, there's a little bit too much grinding in the game, which is one big thought. But, well, that and the PS1 style graphics, the, for even though it's a PS2 game, and the, and the you know, the, the graphics were definitely pretty, pretty hard. I remember that. Well, it was, it was two thousand. If it was on a PS One, then it would look pretty good for that style. It's it on was, a PS Two okay. though. Two thousand. Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like was not a yeah. great year for any game on the PS Two. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it looks not. Since that it came out perfect. a month after Final Fantasy X. I have to take issues. No, no, there. that didn't happen. Yeah, uh, compared to Final Fantasy X, it does not look like a great game. 
It gets better. Yeah, it looks pretty fuzzy. It does get better. <laughs> compared to Final Fantasy X, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, even though this is PS2, I still wondered several times, what exactly am I fighting? And of course, there's that fun, here, let's wander around the pre-rendered backdrops and... I actually like, I, I like pre-rendered games. backdrops. I think that that is like the first and last time the PS2 saw an RPG with completely pre-rendered backdrops and three-dimensional avatars. Hmm. Quite possibly, yes. Hmm. I mean, and I the music that. is a lot better in this one. Mostly because you actually hear music all the time. That helps a lot. But the music, yeah, like... It's it's not it's not a game that I actually downloaded the soundtrack to my iPod though. Like I feel like when you play an RPG, there's usually at least one song that you're like, yeah, I really dig this. I will take this with me. But all the music in this is kind of piano-y and kind of classical. And in that sense, it also kind of reminds me of like the res- the earlier Resident Evil games, I guess. So it kind of fits the tone, but it's just not very memorable to me. Well, some some great tracks by composers or from games like you know Chrono Trigger and Xeno Gears, and there's a lot of great tracks in it and such. I mean, I can't really complain. It's not as good as later games, but still, you know, quite good. Nothing to complain about. Yeah, just right now, I can remember the battle theme from Europe and the final boss theme very well. Yeah, it's just listen. It's quite good. Anything you want to say on the subject, Sam? You've been pretty quiet. No, just in terms of this particular title. I mean. I really enjoyed it when I played it, but I really, really hate Alice. <laughs> Alice is just the epitome of a very stupid female character. She reminds me of Renoa. Oh, God. No. Alice just, you know what? She has her moments in the story where she tries to do really strong things, then does something equally stupid, and then Yuri has to save her. Um, I just, I can't stand that. And I think that's when, when I played Covenant, I was like, oh, my God. Karen doesn't need to be saved. Karen can do stuff. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Which Karen she... doesn't fall down. Karen needs to be saved when she runs out of sanity points. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Well, no. that doesn't help. <laughs> I mean, she in has terms four of sanity plot, points. <sighs> in terms of plot, yeah. I'm sorry. It's just right. you want me to I'm care about this female character who is an exorcist and gets kidnapped a lot, and I just can't. She's yeah, pretty she's much a really damsel in distress. She's and pretty much a saint too. She just gives herself to Yuri freely, and they fall in love. And here, let me help you. I'll take on your burden. Meanwhile, you know, you got Yuri, who I think I don't like him as much in the first game compared to the second. But I do love the fact that you know Yuri's kind of a no-nonsense guy. It's just he please, he is he is burning youth. <laughs> Right. Like, considering that we're going to be talking about its direct sequel, like direct yeah. sequel, can we spoil the ending? Yes, I, we've already did. did that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so okay, the, the hypothetical good ending, which totally doesn't even happen, um, is is all about um, Yuri defeating Atman, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And he's the protector of the masks. Um it, and essentially, like it's it is it's your traditional happy ending. Everyone's alive, hooray! Um, but it, the the credit sequence is different in the bad ending. In the bad ending, um, I, I, I can't remember all the events, but uh, Alice doesn't wake up because she sacrificed her soul to Atman to protect Yuri after he tried to fuse with um, Seraphic Radiance. Right? Seraphic Radiance. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she's 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 gone. So at the start of Shadow Hearts Covenant, it's like Yuki going on with his life. Yuri, Yuri going on with his life. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's get to that when we get to the Kevin. We still need to talk about the first game. Like, you know, saying Albert Simon is actually kind of a good villain. I rather liked him in this game. I like uh, his top hat. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I like, like, yeah, like, Albert looks like he's about to go out on the town with the casino all night. Yeah. I'm okay with that. If we're being yeah. fair, he really sucks as a villain because it, it really is just like I want to destroy the world. I know, but it's that's my motivation. I was like, at the same time, he's kind of just the end of it. Like you got, if you got then the game developers at least do things like you know have a funny moment where a rock, a rock bounces off his head while in the middle of a maniacal laugh, and it's one of the fancy things. Other such things, so you know, they just play him up a little bit humorous as well as ominous. And some interesting dialogues here that I kind of liked, and other such things. So he just he's kind of a villain you kind of love to hate, I guess. That works for me, I suppose. Translation this game too. Honestly, I'm surprised it's as decent as it is, considering that Midway is known for what else that involves much translation. Seriously, like what nothing. else was Midway known for that well, like, required like translation? Nothing, but the person that they got to do the translation was Jeremy Blaustein, who did the translation for pretty much all the Silent Hill games. He did it for most of the Pokemon games. Um, like he's kind of a pro at it, but I still thought the translation was really kind of wonky at times. I suppose there's some humor that's just kind of like lost in translation. Quite probably. For all we know, he had to work under a severe time constraint, and we you know that that never works out too well. Are we finally tapped for the first Shadow Hearts? I think I'm good. Uh, uh, Alice still sucks. Zuzen Chen's pretty awesome, though, and nobody even talked about him. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> the old guy. For, he's the most forgettable character in this game. Really. He's stereotypical I, I, old man. I love him. I, I think I think almost all the characters, especially later on in the series, but most of the characters in Shadow Hearts as a franchise are really decent. Yeah, I, 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 well, they they just pick such a good variety of, of different different characters. Okay, I said. You know, two things before we wrap up. One, the the one awful ghost story is just horrible and it makes me cringe every time I have to hear it. And two, this game's a new game plus some other things kind of interesting. I mean, enough games have that. At that time, they didn't. Oh, yeah. One one thing. Um, not the new game plus. God damn it. I just, I just knew what I was going to say. Now it's gone. This does not help. Um... Okay, it must not have been that important. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then we will take a tiny break and come back to talk about Shadow Hearts 2. Hold on to your hats, your top hats, your bottom hats, your five-gallon hats, ten-gallon. Shadow Hearts, which is named Shadow Hearts 
Covenant, a role-playing game developed by Nautilus and published by Midway, released here in North America on September 27th, 2004. This is a single-player RPG experience for your PlayStation 2, and it's twice as good as the first one because it comes on two DVD-ROMs. Bam. I can totally be beaten in 25 hours. Really? Oh my god. Right. Yeah, but yeah, Midway, somehow you did that. Midway says it's a 40 plus hour experience. 40 plus. I quests in the original game. So oh, kind of one segue before we start Shadow Hearts Covenant. Anyone who owns the box for the original Shadow Hearts will see that there is totally a quote from rpgamer.com on it. Really? Really? Yes. yes really. Go take a I look at the back this, of the box. I may still have the I box. I saw that box. <laughs> That's sexy. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, now we can talk about Covenant, the best game ever in the series, and oh my god, Karen, I love her so much. Hold on one second, Nathan, I'm going to pull you back into the call here. A little little disconnect issue there with uh, Nathan. Uh-oh, a little disconnect issue Anyways. with my computer. There it goes. Karen! Boobs. Awesome. Sweet mother of holy triple D cup. What is up with that? Oh my god, no. She is rocking some awesome boobs. Yeah. Okay, now what am I hearing after coming back? Sam got to talking about Karen's boobs. Are you surprised really, Nathan? No, no, I'm not. You know, I make a terrible lesbian, but that's okay, because I can appreciate women's boobs. The story starts a year and a half after Shadow Hearts. The story, everybody only cares about Karen's boobs. Giggle, giggle, giggle. Karen's boobs. Ay, 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 ay. She's good with swords, too. She is oh, good I want to with the with swords. I her in a dark alley, okay? She would beat me up. I, I, I think I think my problem that was kind of my disconnect was on one hand she's a lieutenant I want she's great with the sword so I want to see her as this strong you know female lead type of character and then there's other times when she's the you know type of and it's especially you know towards the beginning and it's it just like okay yeah this is a disconnect for me they keep kind of they I don't know if it's going to continue as the game goes on but they're kind of flipping her back and forth on one hand she's strong take down a monster no problem and then the next minute she's like oh my god i twisted my ankle i'd just yeah. like to say that for someone who is in fact a, a lieutenant in the kaiser's army i can understand why she would change her uniform if she gets into paris the kaiser's army was not very popular in paris in 1915 oh, oh i have no problem with her changing wait, her wait, wait, but wait, changing wait, her but changing into awful. that outfit just seems even more noticeable <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is alternate universe 1914, though. There's clearly a World War One happening, though. Everyone mentions it. Is there? Yeah. Yes, there is. Yeah, <laughs> this, the, you the, never walk onto the Western Front and get killed by machine guns because that would be a really short game. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? The game has Karen's boobs and mirror Karen's boobs. See? That made my day. I do, mirror I do Yuri like, and mirror Karen. I do like Karen, but my favorite character was actually Blanca. Yes, Blanco was actually my favorite, too, as much the as wolf. I teased. Adorable. I also like Geppetto. Oh, Geppetto's the bomb. Pup. Geppetto's the best. This oh. is for the best cast of any All right, but, 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 but let's, let's, let's take these things in order. There's so much to be excited about, but we need to do this the right way, boys <laughs> no, and girls. Anastasia's no, plot, plot first. <laughs> this is the best. We need to talk about the plot. <laughs> no, no, Anastasia Romanov. She fights with a, what is it, a Cameron and doll? <laughs> can't remember. No, it's Geppetto the Samurai. <laughs> oh my god, yes, the random samurai. Yeah, that starts using the camera to Inugami. Focus, ladies and gentlemen. Who wants to talk about the story? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to talk about uh, Anastasia. Uh, no, no, Sam, you okay. have to wait. I'll, 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 
I can talk about the beginning of the story since I played like the first part of it. Go so, Do I have to talk about the story? So okay, Mike can talk about the story. <laughs> she has boobs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mike, please talk about the story. <laughs> yeah, if you keep talking like this, I'm going to have to do my Beavis voice. <laughs> She's got boobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boobs. Boobs. It's actually pretty Are we good. done? Are we done with this? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a great I'm impression. In the corner now. Okay. Karen is a lieutenant in the German army. She is taken along with by a guy named Nikolai, who is given the task of rooting out this demon menace in an isolated French town that's been holding up the German advance somehow. Turns out that he's evil, and he Part uses of the curse of yeah. mistletoe. Yes, he curses Yuri with evil mistletoe. Well, and he, like, stab him with it, no less? Yeah. He yeah. also has the hots for Karen. Yeah, yeah, I was not a fan of him. He he was such a pedo-looking guy. I, I, I am so creeped out by Nikolai. Every time I played that game, I was yeah. like, you need to go in the corner and with the straight jacket, and I don't like you, don't you touch my Karen. Well, the, 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 the fight, did you see this? also that Nikolai is an illegitimate heir to the Romanov throne. I mean, look at the smile. Yeah, did you see the smile funny. on his face when he fights the first demon to get the mistletoe? He was creepy. <laughs> and he pretty much stays that way the whole game. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> also, his voice acting is really, really bad. I remember Maybe that his was voice acting. Maybe, I don't know. The voice acting is actually good in this game for the most part, but I remember him being a little weird. Yuri is the master of bite me. <laughs> Yuri's so cheeky in this game. He's so much more cheeky than he was in the first okay, game. And, but, okay, but Karen, Karen unites with Yuri. Yuri has a friend named Geppetto who uses a seemingly sentient marionette to help him fight. Geppetto is also, I don't know, Geppetto's what is he, about like, 80? Yeah, he, no, he's like, like, he's, like he's some he's some some age older than 60. He's not 80. He's old. We're just going to say old for the sake of our He's not nearly as old as Valentine. No, but the, the excuse of being a Valentine is that you're an immortal vampire. Um, okay, along with Blanca, the, the wolf guardian of the village, they must go away and fight the curse of the mistletoe, which they will do by finding Roger Bacon, who we interacted with in the last game, and thus Yuri knows might know something about how to fight this stupid mistletoe, and they navigate the Paris subway system, they eventually find their way across into England, only to find that Sapientis Gladio has taken Roger Bacon hostage so that he can't help fight the mistletoe curse. Shall I keep going? Uh Yep. Sure. (laughs) Well, finding Roger Bacon turns out to be quite a task. Sapientis Gladio has several stations throughout the Mediterranean area. Eventually, the evil Lenny, who does not hang out with Carl in this game, sadly, is fought. You beat him. You get Roger Bacon back. And he more or less tells you, uh, I can't do a whole lot about this. I'm sorry. I can't do a whole lot about this, but maybe if you go to Russia, then you can do it yourself. And also along the way, they've met Joachim Valentine, the vampire pro wrestler, and Lucia, the ditziest, well, maybe not the ditziest, but a very, very ditzy dancer. They eventually wind up in St. Petersburg, where they meet Anastasia Romanov and the boss of Sapientis Gladio, Rasputin himself, who is, of course, in league with... It's either Astaroth or the other demon trying to conquer the world. Asmodeus. Asmodeus. There we go. Yep. Because yeah. Nikolai has Astaroth inside himself. And we beat the crap out of Rasputin eventually after he has manifested a gigantic dark fortress that overlooks St. Petersburg and was about to submerge all of Russia into evil. But, 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 but when you kill him, he tells you about the mistletoe's curse. 
Yes. He and Nikolai's plan. He was a big jerk. Yeah. Someone in the middle here, uh, he, we get a weird vision of Albert Simon from the last game. It says that, oh, Rasputin was my real enemy all along, which you know, <laughs> the entire plot of the original game to the side note. Yeah. To be fair to the original Rasputin, like, I feel kind of bad because he was a decent guy who died a very awful death, and everyone kind of looks on for inciting a September Revolution in Russia. I, 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 this is a bit tangent, tangential, but he, he he's a good historical figure. He should never be seen as a villain. Certainly this Rasputin is absolutely nothing like the historical Rasputin. No. I don't know. There was a great Heimer movie made with Christopher Lee as Rasputin, but that's getting even more sidetracked. And I forgot to mention the other Sapientis Gladio member, the lady whose name I'm remembering not right but uh you remember she was the snm lady with the goofy thing on one eye veronica thank you yes and she's all like i have the hots for rasputin and i will do anything he says and by the way i will beat you with my whip yeah she likes pretty much her her Her, her and karen did not particularly get along (laughs) like there's a lot of really subtle snm jokes between the two of them in particular (laughs) and after we beat rasputin we go off and fight nikolai and astaroth and he's trying to unleash all the pent-up malice on the world, and he more or less does it, which is kind of bad. And Both because, one works. and then Kato comes along, who you may remember from the first Shadow Hearts as the servant of Lieutenant Colonel uh, What's Her Face. You remember well, Lieutenant you not, Colonel? Well, you may not remember Kato from the last game since he's such a minor and forgettable character, and he just suddenly shows up in a completely different form. Yeah, he's a he's a high-powered guy in the Japanese government now, and he has a Bruce Campbell chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a chin. I'm here. And he takes rest- he takes Nikolai along with him because he needs Nikolai for his experiments. And thus we go to Japan, which is where the second disc starts. And we run hey. into secret Japanese military projects, which keep getting in your way. And after a whole lot of stuff happens, which I'll let other people rem- remember this flow of events better than I do, summarize, you eventually find that Kato, well, he thinks that the world is so banged up that he's going to change the time flow, shift the Earth back to 1815, and see if we can do it right this time. <laughs> and you've got to stop it. Somewhere in the middle there, he creates a kind of a clone's copy of the woman who he was in love with who died in the previous game, which is Oka. creepy for all kinds of reasons. Yes, Oka. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. his deceased wife. She's a clone of the deceased wife. No, not a wife. She was just, just someone a, he was infatuated yeah, with. Yeah, on. Oh, okay. Something. Doesn't doesn't Nikolai kill her? Yes. Yes. That, I think it was after the stupid Japanese Hojo knock. No, his name was actually Hojo. He's a mad scientist and his name is Hojo. Go figure. <laughs> and he foolishly pushed Nikolai's mental threshold to the absolute limit and let Astaroth take over. And Astaroth eventually was trying to do something inside of Mount Fuji, like make it erupt. And Oka got in the way of a knife that was aimed at Kato, and she got killed again. And Kato takes revenge. Kato is not happy. <laughs> Such a weird story. <laughs> it <laughs> is. I love it. <laughs> yeah, how exactly would the world be better if we went back to 1815 when, you know, Napoleon was coming back and fighting Waterloo? I don't know if that would be a good thing. Come on, now we can fix this, the mistakes again. Maybe he just, you know, has butterflies and tea on his brain. I don't know. But it makes perfect sense to me. Oh, God, no, it doesn't. But, you know, 
Shadow Hearts. It makes no sense. And <laughs> Someone here What's in Roger Bacon tries to bring Alice back to life, but that doesn't work out. Like a big no, that works out terrible. She comes yeah. back for about, I don't know, 20 seconds or so, just long enough for Yuri to see her, and she did, I think she smiles at him, and then that just cracks Yuri up even more. And I'm not going to lie. In the terms of the relationships in this particular Shadow Hearts, I really wanted Yuri to bone Karen. Then you find out at the end of the game, Why? like, Karen's his mom. I'm sorry, but did you not see the horrible sexual tension between the two of them? <laughs> no, I didn't, like, actually. They had a lot of it. Jesus, it was, it oh, was but Sam, like, that, okay. that's the good ending. The like, good ending it was, is when... It was like, Karen's like, oh no, a grenade. And Yuki's like, what up? I'll block that for you. And then she's <laughs> like, I'll follow you around now, Yuki. And then Yuki's like, I'm not over my Yuri. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Yuri spends a lot of time being like, I'm not over my ex. And then there's Karen being like, I want to do you so hard. I'm sorry, but the Mirror Castle was the worst offender for this in terms of, like, the sexual tension. Because you had two Karens both basically trying to feel him up. But even though it's like you could look at it as motherly, gesturely love, boning. Motherly love, boning. I'm sorry, but if I was Yuri, I would want to bone two Karens, too. Except for the part where she's my mom. Stop saying I really love that. Sam. You're making me think of a Frank Zappa song. I'm just saying, <laughs> I hated that plot twist. Just because, you know what? Yes, like, they have a really cute relationship and whatnot. It just didn't work for me. Just because I found... I'm not even guess. sure I understand the good ending. Which is that I... Yuri zaps back to right before he rescues Alice on the train in the first game, which is apparently the happiest point in his life, right after Karen oh. zapped into the past to meet his dad so that she yeah. would become his mom. Does it just go into a never-ending time loop from that point? I don't understand. Well, I just assume, I just assume that uh, from confidence, Yuri gets sent back in time to the beginning of his new game plus mode, and then he gets a good ending to continuity. Oh yeah, that that no, no 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 okay no it's it's just like the whole uh, Final Fantasy VIII conundrum. Uh, her taking the place as the mom closes the loop. Like it's it's a it's a complete structured loop now. I'm sorry, but she's hotter than Alice. <laughs> That, you're really fixed on this. We did see her briefly in the first Shadow Hearts, but that sprite was so nondescript that it could have been anybody, really. Yeah, Sam, why not have it be Karen? I mean, it, it's sorry, if Yuri wasn't, yeah, I don't know. If Yuri was so <laughs> infatuated with a loser named Karen, or named Alice, who is really lame and cries all the time, okay, we would okay. have a better game. <laughs> okay, the love of his life just died. <laughs> I'm not and, be and the girl it. who's trying to bone him looks suspiciously similar to his mom. So <laughs> he has a complex. Most men do. Not do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I was Yuri, I would do my mom. <laughs> my mom was hotter than my dead girlfriend who cried all the time. I hate to admit it. I'm kind of with Sam on that one. <laughs> the bad ending where Yuri gets zapped back with no memories because the, this, the mistletoe killed them all, and Roger Bacon tries to convince him that he's actually Roger Bacon's son. <laughs> Which fits. That, that fits how Roger Bacon acts. Why not? Bacon, bacon, bacon. It's bacon! Okay. No takers on the fake ending, or the bad ending, whichever we call it? I never saw it, so. Uh, yeah, I never got the bad ending. I used that wonderful but... thing called YouTube. Um, I got the bad ending, and I was okay with it. I found out about all the other stuff through the magic of YouTube as well. 
Oh man, I wish we got the director's cut of this game. Were Yuri Bones Karen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had to say it. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about um, uh, let's talk about well, let's, some of the characters. There are a couple other things about the characters. Yeah, like well, I know Sam Meet loves Joachim. I do. Oh my goodness, I do. Greatest character ever. I know a lot of people don't like him because they kind of. You know, Yokum kind of has this horrible, really poorly done sort of gay man aura, and I know a lot of people don't like it. I don't feel like the game is going out of its way to, like, say that gay people are like that. Um, but I just like Yokum because I find him horribly adorable. Like, he likes butterflies and wrestling, and at the time... And he's a superhero! <laughs> and he's a little gay. Isn't he, like, a vampire, too? Yes, he is. Yeah, okay, because... He's not he a very good game, actually. He keeps turning into a bat and invisible in the middle of, like, different combats. It's irritating. Make him stop. And he gets well, his new techniques from the great question. The, ma- the man who wears... Well, he appears to be wearing a turban and a loincloth, He beat much. me into orbit with a statue <laughs> of a fisherman! Yeah, you need to equip something that prevents instant death, otherwise you'll get knocked out into orbit. <laughs> isn't isn't Yoke the the most powerful character too? Like physically. Um, yeah, he's I the big say, guy. It's kind of a tie between him and Yuri, because Yuri gets pretty pretty strong well, as well. Yeah, I got Yuri's best fusion. Yeah, people always say that Yuri's really well balanced, but what that really means is that all of his characters are a, a unreasonably good. <laughs> Yeah. Darn tootin'. Yeah. It's half the strength of the entire team. Pretty much. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I love Joachim's voice. He just tries to talk like somebody in a 40s radio serial all the time. He's supposed Everyone to be needs Romanian. To, Everyone needs to know that my powers will make the world safe for people like you. What was his uh, superhero name, by the way? Because it was something really ridiculous. Great, like the, Grand the Papillon? Great Papillon. Great Papillon, uh, great Papillon yeah. Which is like... The Great Butterfly or something? Yeah. The Butterfly. Pretty much. The the Grand Papillon. Yep. I was going to say, I, I kind of loved his name, and I loved his little, like, monarch butterfly mask that was, like, totally, like, purple and pink. Oh, my goodness. They really do the, play the, up the, the whole side of walk. <laughs> Poor guy. And while we're talking about Joachim, we'll probably bring it up again with the side quests, but, um, the Man Festival. Best side quest <laughs> ever. It's pretty hilarious. Especially somewhere in the middle of climbing this giant tower of 100 enemies, they just skipped 60, and they're like, wow, we just skipped 60. Yeah, what, what the heck was that? <laughs> and then at the top, when you beat the great question, he will proclaim to you, the winner of the man festival must share his entire manhood with the loser. That doesn't sound that, right. I think that means exactly what the game says it means. <laughs> the characters react like it does, certainly. Oh, and yes, Joachim's method of getting weapons. Hey, there's a big, there's a big front frozen tuna outside the the Romanov Palace. I'm going to use it to whack people. Yep. And then they brought yeah. that back in Shadow Hearts 3, the ninja who isn't really a ninja. We'll get I remember to- him using a statue at one point. Statue 2x4. Yep. Whatever he can uh, get. Submarine, uh, ice scraper. Park table. Ice scraper, right. Not- oh yes, and his final weapon, the miniature, the Nautilus thing, the the miniature spacecraft from out spa- outer space. <laughs> I love um, I love um, G- Geppetto. Yeah, and his what's his what's his doll's name? Um, Cornelia. 
Yeah. Cornelia. So it's it's Came not Pinocchio, it's Pinocchietta. No, I'm just kidding. It's like it's it's a it's a girl doll, but she is so freaking adorable, cute, and every time he like wins, they do patty cakes or he g- g- gives her a hug or whatever have you, and it's it's just so adorable. And then and then to power her up or to get her different spells, you get her different dresses, and so she's got all these different for fire dress, a nice dress. Uh, it's so cute. Yes, and you get those by by giving uh. What kind of cards are they? What what other RPG uh, something stud cards? What stud other cards. RPG though do you play? Get to play not only an old man but an old man who tag teams with his Pinocchio girl type of thing. I mean that's <laughs> and she looks absolutely real, of course, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean the animation on her is just really well. The, the I mean when I thought about the extra work they had to put to make that character work because it, you know they would literally not only have to do two character interactions but be able to make these two characters interact well you know doing those uh, animations and stuff i mean that was that was very nice touch it's kind of sad though because like like uh, the, the the puppet's name is cornelia but it's after his dead daughter like so it's kind of so it's, sad it's kind of sad <laughs> oh so sad <laughs> too fun it's a sad sad song mm. you learn a little bit more about that if you do his doll house side quest you really should do every side quest in this game yeah the side quests are generally quite good in the series yeah yeah, I tried. I think I did all of them in Covenant, and most of them open up a new area. And even the ones that don't take you someplace you've been before, but it's different now. Yeah. And I love Blanca's method of getting new powers, which is just here. Some guy gives you this this print, this stamp pad. Get collect <laughs> paw prints from other wolves that you fight around the world, including, of course, that alien which only looks like a wolf and is being accompanied by a green man trying to plot the invasion of Earth. Beat it, and I guess we just saved Earth from being invaded by aliens. I do feel kind of bad about that aspect, though. The whole uh, wolf belt section of the game is just dog fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Dogs choosing to fight. I mean, and he's he's badass for like a, a three year old wolf, but <laughs> I do feel bad because you're essentially like, I really want you to become stronger, so I'm gonna make you dog fight. <laughs> Blanca wants to be the strongest wolf. Why not let him? <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, when he fights that zombie wolf in in the catacombs underneath St. Petersburg, that was interesting. <laughs> Apparently there's just a zombie that happens to be hiding out in a cell down there and eating anything that's foolish enough to come along. Makes up to sense. Blanca to stop that. And I like Blanca's voice, too. He doesn't talk a whole lot, mostly he... But when he talk, when he gets into the wolf bouts, he does talk to them. Yeah, yeah, the the, and that's the cool. I mean, that and we, I mean, kind of touched on that here and there. But every character is just leveling up differently in different ways. So he 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 fights other wolves and then gets their paw prints in his little paw print collecting book. And that's yeah, he's adorable, but he's also kind of stoic. Like he's yeah. like like there's an old man on your team, and and the the three year old wolf is the wisest person. <laughs> Not even a person. <laughs> oh, we mustn't forget Blanca's lovely Metal Gear Solid spoof moment when he has to infiltrate and rescue everyone by using stealth. Right. By standing up on his hind legs around corners. I hate stealth in non-stealth games. <laughs> Just like I hate puzzles in my RPGs. Why do people insist on doing that? Evil. It's not a puzzle game. I'd play a point and click if I want one of those. <laughs> Sorry, unnecessary rant. That's okay. <sighs> yeah, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Stealth puzzles, whatever they should be. That should be in our games. Yep. Uh, oh, and the, and we mustn't though. forget that that wonderful <laughs> moment when Yuri said, "That is one giant pussy." Oh God. 
Have you found that moment yet, Phil? No, no, I can't say I have. You will fight a big, big cat, and Yuri will say, that is one giant pussy. <laughs> Yuri's a man of many words. <laughs> Told you, he's it's burning inappropriate. <laughs> the translation in this game is actually much better than it is in the original Shadow Hearts. It's just really funny. <laughs> it has its awkward moments. Um, let's see. If you like haven't awkward, gotten that, uh-huh. <laughs> all right, Sam, tell us all about Lucia. She's the worst Italian ever. She I thought I was a bad Italian. Italian. Yeah, she's she is Italian. Italian. Okay. Yeah. She is basically dippy and flighty, and she tends to talk without speaking. And um, she has some pretty weird abilities. Like she uses aromatherapy, which makes her kind of like the bard of the game. And she's a uh, fortune teller character. Yeah, yeah, she has fortune telling. She has her tarot cards, and she can use fortune telling abilities. She's actually, she was, I found I used her quite a bit up until I got Anastasia, and then I kind of kicked her out of my party, but for the I, most see, part, I, I she's actually use, pretty useful. That's true. I tried to use her as little as possible. Like, she reminded me of all the hippies and hipsters in my life that I dislike. Like, please no. Please don't talk anymore. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and well, she says, oh my god, a lot too, which doesn't help. She's yep. like, oh... We were supposed to go that way. It's like, thank you, Lucia. Why didn't you tell me ten minutes ago? I forgot. Oh, well, I saw the And the voice flower. is awesome, too, which is, <laughs> doesn't help. Deliberately so, of course. Oh, absolutely. She's she's pretty painful, though. She has her fans, though. That's, that's the amazing part, though. People absolutely love her. Like, I would actually say even more so than Karen. At least that's what I've met in my life. So, who knows? Lucia... Kinda useful, kinda not. I guess it depends on your play style in this case. But yeah, Anastasia is much better. Oh god, yes. Anastasia is fabulous. Yeah. The only thing I wish is that after she takes a photo, you could see the enemy stats once she leaves your party. Because you have to keep her in there to see those. Yeah. Yep. Which they changed, thankfully, in Shadow Hearts 3 because Johnny gets the camera skill and you can actually snap it and it's there permanently. Mm. Thank goodness that they fixed but that. But aside from okay. aside from that, nice. Anastasia, well... She's kind of similar to the real-life Anastasia. I mean, in the sense that she's... She, okay, she, she's the fourth daughter of uh, Nicholas II of Russia, who was the Tsar. Uh, in real life, she died in the September... No, no, the January Revolution. She died in the January Revolutions. Um, yeah, she and, died when the whole Romanov family was executed by the Yeah, the whole, like, there, there, yeah there, there was a rebellion, and they were executed, which led to communism, which everyone realized years later really sucked. Um, in this game, Rasputin uh, tried to frame your party for controlling Anastasia, and she eventually uh, joined your party. Like, there's this whole accusation of like murdering Alexei, and in real life, Alexei. Um, he was a hemophiliac. That was a hemophiliac. made him pretty fragile. Yeah. yeah, he was very fragile. And uh, actually, Rasputin in real life supposedly cured his hemophilia, which is why he was so close to the royal family. But in this game, uh, trying to kill Alexei. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's pretty similar to the real life one, except she's much more mechanically inclined that she actually lives. Yeah, and she has a thing for J- a Japanese boy, apparently. Which would be our last character, Kurando. The one who, because he's a cousin of Yuri... Uh, can also do a demon Even fusion. more <laughs> transformative Tsukuyomi. Yeah, and he can fuse into a couple... He, 
Is there only one other that he can fuse into that ogre thing? Yeah, the big ogre thing. He has two forms, which sucks up a mammoth. It sucks up a lot of SP, and because Karando doesn't have a whole lot of them, that means you're you're going to be popping SP replenishment a lot if you use that thing. All the yeah. spells and everything take a lot of SP. Holy cow! Yeah. At any rate, Karando is is so straight faced that he's kind of the straight man among everybody else, which makes him kind of dull. Well, especially compared to Walken. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to stand out when you put Joachim in that crowd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joachim is definitely the most visible guy in this team. Well, that's the characters. <laughs> mm, okay, well, let's talk about <clears throat> the new mechanics or updates to the battle system. As we kind of touched on earlier, we had our we had our uh, uh, customization judgment rings now. I know uh, with uh, with Yuri, I can pick between one, two, three, four, five, you know, hit areas, indicating that he can do more attacks, which seems to be a no-brainer, really. No attacks are pretty much always better, so I might as well pick that. <laughs> Um, you get, uh, and you get those, you get those attacks through talking to the ring spirit, ring which spirit, appears, which they get which along great. The yes, it appears. Yes. And Yuri seems to be finding ways to piss off the almighty ring gods. So it tries to be so, it tries to be so grand, formal and amazing. And then it just ends up turning to like, uh, why aren't you taking me seriously? Yeah. All horrible people. It's like, Oh God, not you again. Kind not of you again. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it, the game just, it, you know, it just does a really great job of never really taking itself too seriously. Um, yeah, it was really funny. Um, but, um, uh, you've got the, um, uh, you've got the, you, so you've got, uh, you got area hit expanders, which, uh, increase those areas that you can hit, strike expanders, which expe- ex- make the, the bigger, the red zones bigger to make the game, uh, easier if you want. Um, you've also got different types of rings now. You've got the practice ring for beginners, which has huge orange areas that are pretty hard to miss, and if you miss one, it doesn't stop your attack. Um... You got the normal ring where if you hit like the first hit, you'll hit, but if you miss the second one, you miss the rest of your attack. You've got the uh, technical ring, which is uh, the one I use uh, on Yuri, where you've got this little teeny tiny orange area, but if you hit that tiny orange area, he automatically hits with all five of his attacks. Um, so yeah, it kind of takes away some of the tedious, tedious whatever, the, the whole. <laughs> yeah. Tidy? Tidiousness, t- tidiousness. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and then you've got the uh, you got the auto ring for people like other people on the call earlier who were complaining about pressing the ring too often. Auto ring just <laughs> basically turns this into a normal RPG, I think. Which I, I don't know. Then what's the point? But um, except well, the cool characters, I suppose. But um, yeah, if you don't want to mess with the judgment ring, you can do the auto ring. Um, and then you can add things to the ring, such as poison, uh, paralyzation. There's items you can equip. Uh, one item I have on Yuri right now, which makes it work really well with that tiny little, you know, slice of the technical ring, is something that slows down his ring speed. So I have no problem hitting with all five of his attacks every single time. Um, and spells do not just hit one or everything; they have an area of effect. Area of effect, yes. And 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 players can you basically got crest magic? You can exchange spell. You, the spells come on crest. Those can be easily. Go ahead. Each crest is kind of representing one of the seventy-two goetic demons in the Solomon's Key, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, so the, and uh, hey, so you have to like assign them uh, crests to their particular place on a giant in, in grid of all of the seventy-two demons, and but you get them powered up by finding all of the ones of a matching set and such. You get also they too even get to fight King Solomon for the to obtain the ultimate attack spell. 
each crest has its own list of spells that even equips the crest can use. It's a really interesting system. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, when you attack, um, so uh, you've got hit classes now. So when you attack, you can choose whether you want to do a normal attack, a hard hitting attack, which will push the bad guy uh, backwards uh, a few yards. Uh, you can do a high attack, which will pop him in the air, or a knockdown, which will slap him on the ground. Uh, and it takes the weight of the monster into a, a effect here. If you pop up a light monster, he'll go higher up in the air than if you try to do that on a boss. You'll bait you a whole lot to a to a boss. Um, you can have characters connect together in combo. So if it's Yuri's turn and um, Geppetto's is coming up, you can tell Yuri combo with Geppetto, and then on Geppetto's turn, you'll do his attack as normal. As soon as you do his judgment ring on Geppetto's attack or spell, uh, a play uh, a character, a triangle, square, whatever, X, controller character will pop up. You've got like all three seconds to press that character, and if you do that successfully, then the play automatically would pass on to Yuri, and he'll continue the combo attack. And if the enemy was up in the air from a pop-up well guess what he's still up in the air and you can do you know more damage and stuff um so uh, if the enemy so the enemy will do the same thing if there's a bunch of little enemies they'll start forming a line behind each other and they'll uh, they'll try to combo you, and you can use a hard-hitting attack to push them, because they have to be close to get to combo, but to push them out to, to break up that combo, and that becomes an essential uh, strategy uh, during some of the boss battles. Um, I think that kind of covers it. I, I think... Um, um, I think for, for me, though, I had a little problem. I don't know if you guys can figure this out or not, but okay. So I can pop a guy up into the air, and then I can juggle him, or I can slam him to the ground. But it seems to me that no matter what type of attack I pick, or no matter how I combo it, if I combo a high attack into a low attack, or into a hard attack, or whatever, <laughs> doing combos naturally, every hit in the combo does more and more damage. It's a very small increment, but it builds up over time. Um, but it doesn't seem to be any difference if I pop him up high or hit him down low. It's, did y'all see it? strategic value i i saw the strategic value it depends on the attacks you use Mm -hmm. some attacks will only hit things at a certain elevation and you kind of need to keep track of that Hmm. if you try and use something that only hits uh something in the air then uh you better not use it while it's on the ground because that'll just ruin the combo yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If, if they're up in the air and you hit them with the wrong hit, then yeah, you could end up breaking the whole combo or something. But then why not just do? Why not just keep it uh, straightforward and just do standard attacks in a row? Then you don't have to consider that, right? I mean, why pick the high and the low attacks over just the straightforward attack? Because some of your really, really good attacks are so worth deploying, and some enemies are just obnoxious little jerks that refuse to be in line of them that you need to position them right. And if you do that, then the rewards can't be worth it. Yeah, I, got kinda, I still haven't been able to quite figure out the strategic value. Now, normally I'm a big fan of tactical combat and being able to push enemies around into a... It'd be really cool if these hard hits and stuff, if you had, if you could just move your characters around more before they do their hits uh, so that you could... And get a better look at the battlefield. You can kind of move the camera around with the right joystick. It would be so awesome if you could, during your turns, you know, knock these enemies close together then hit them with an AO, you know, an, an area spell uh, or things like that. So far, the biggest strategic value I've been able to accomplish when the enemies all get together to combo and they're like combo's coming and you see them all light up and you're like oh crap you don't want that to happen because when they combo a character they you've got two or three enemies that will focus in a row on one character you know that's going to probably KO your character so it is you know it is satisfying if you can break that combo up 
Um, but aside from that, I've not been able to use it offensively yet to my advantage. It's kind of disheartening. I'd love to be able to knock him into a fireball formation or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Instead, I just end up knocking them away when they are in a formation. So, hmm, well, I'll keep playing with it. Maybe I'll figure something cool out. It just looks like it has so much potential, and I'm not quite – either it's not there or I'm not finding it yet. I just felt like that that system had more potential. But maybe I'm just not – maybe I'm just not good enough yet. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. Anyways, but that's that's kind of it in a, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell. But definitely the customization of the rings is hugely welcome. I mean, there's just so many different ways you can really make this game. If you're kind of getting tired of the ring, switch to auto ring for a while. But if you want something a little bit more challenging, try one of the try, try one of the different rings. And then on one of my characters, I, I keep using all the expanders on them. I think it's uh, Karen, actually. She has three attacks around. And I'll use her expanders and uh, to, for her strikes so that she gets strikes almost every time. So now she's hitting pretty hard. So, hmm. anyways, that's the gameplay differences that I can think of. I don't know what else y'all want to. Haven't figured out how. Um, I, I like what Nathan said about the different magics in the map and the Solomon's key. I got that. I'm glad you explained that, Nathan. I haven't quite figured that one out myself. Like which ones do go to the right places. Hmm. Um, I think it's color coded, basically. Yeah, it's color coded, but like in the purple area where all the dark ones go, I have like like eight dark runes, and it's like, how do you know which one goes in which slot? That's kind of the puzzle, right? Um, yes, I can't remember. It's been a while since I played this game, so I can't remember very clearly. Yeah, so I, <clears throat> I'll play for a while longer. I might break down and FAQ it. But uh, that was pretty cool. I like the map. It's, it's like it's like for each one of these characters when it came to you know you know how you know it, it's like for every one of them they they just went to a bag of tricks. Like how can we make each character feel unique and how they and how they become more powerful? Yeah, y'all are gonna level up and you're gonna get some passive bonuses when you you level up. Woohoo! But uh, but the you know but the dog he'll fight with other you know dogs and that he'll get paw prints and that's how he'll level up and and Geppetto you know he'll find stud cards and he'll get dresses for her you know and magic system you're gonna get this big huge map and you're gonna put these it's like they sat around a round table it's like what's some really cool you know fun, we were getting the main character figured out he's gonna fusion he's gonna unlock with hot you know how energy. does karen get new moves she finds pieces of wagner scores held by people around the world of course because it, it just they just makes sense right awesome yeah how does how does anastasia get new moves she takes pictures of enemies that give them to her that's too fun um <laughs> so i thought <clears throat> I thought all that was – I thought all that's uh, pretty cool. It's just a lot of creativity in the characters, the leveling up system stuff, and, and the dialogue was pretty as well. So I'm watching them. I'm and you mentioned the animation on Cornelia, Phil. Would you not say that this looks a lot better than the first Shadow Hearts? Oh, immensely. Absolutely, hands down. And it's it's been 10 years, so I went back and looked at screenshots just to make sure. I mean because I remember when I played it – not 10 years. It was probably like eight years ago. So, uh, you know, yeah, you know, Trent's right. I mean for a, a, an early – the early PlayStation 2 games were not not so pretty, and if you didn't buy them right when they came out, then you probably don't appreciate them with that particular set of glasses. Um, I've got a, you know, I bought like Ring of Red when it first came out, and you play that today, it's like, oh my god, it's barely an upgraded PlayStation 1 game. But, um, what's that? It's better than Orphan. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember when I played uh, Shadow Hearts One. It was a, it was probably three or four years into the console's life cycle at that point. And I was like, oh wow, ouch, my eyes, make it stop. But um, but two is definitely much much easier on the eyes, especially the character. Uh, the character models are are a definitive improvement. The environments uh, are are an improvement as well. I, I don't think that the gap for me, anyways, with the environments was quite as big. But the uh, but the character models, I will. I will say though, um, we haven't mentioned this yet, but 
probably the most striking change. This the the state. You know, all these characters are all wearing these for the most part pretty outlandish, you know, outfits or whatever have you. But the the biggest statement of all was, in my opinion, is Yuri with the fanny pack turned around. <laughs> Holy cow! I haven't seen anybody wear a fanny pack in like. 30 years, you know, I mean, Disney World, just big bad memories of people, tourists, all wearing not, those fanny pads in the front. You must not admit my dad. My dad wears a fanny pack a lot. Oh, my gosh. And here's <laughs> here's supposed to be the cool cat character, the, you know, Yuri, and he's got a fanny pack on his rear end. That just shows how badass he is. He doesn't care what you think of the fanny pack. He's wearing it. At least he has the, the smarts to wear it on the fanny. A lot of turning around to the front, it really looks silly. So, and it has like little coattails or something, little something's hanging off of it too. So that, that was pretty hilarious. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. I'm having um, I'm having uh, fun with it uh, right now, just playing through it again. So I can I can attest that um, even well into the PlayStation 3's life cycle, going back and playing Shadow Hearts um, Covenant is just an absolute joy. It really is. Mm, so do we have any other thoughts about any specific element of the game? We talked about the graphics. I don't know if we talk, talked a lot about the music. Any thoughts I think about I, that? I, I would like to say... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nathan. I was just saying, I really like the music of this game. I kind of forgot a lot about it, but going back to listen to it again recently, it's you know, there's a lot of great melodies and good stuff in it. But I don't know what to say about it other than that. I found a lot of the the dungeon and environmental themes um, I, solid, but not too memorable, but I found the battle themes really good. Yeah. What, what were you saying, Trent? I was going to say, I really dislike the dungeon theme. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really feel, Trent? <laughs> I love the battle theme, but I really disliked some of the dungeon music. Oh. That's a very minor gripe in the grand scale of things, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing it. I'm playing it now. I I would say that I mean, for and I, everyone's gonna have their own opinion, and I think music is very subjective in RPGs sometimes. But um, I would say that the dungeon music, yeah, the environmental music is soft, unobtrusive, and ultimately forgettable um, for the most part. Um, nothing's really standing out to me, um, and I'm playing with just listening to the music. Um, I mean, I haven't turned on the tel, you know, the 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 T. Um, sometimes I put on the iPad and while I'm playing RPGs, but I haven't done that with this yet. Just taking the whole thing in. Uh, the battle music. Music is, is definitely more fun, but uh, uh, when say any of it's got me humming it after the snow, but it's not terrible like nails across a chalk or anything. You know, it's really fun though. Oh, we didn't mention though when your character goes insane, the background music changes in battle. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know, somebody was about to kick your ass on your team. Yeah, the music will remind you. you really- the, so- the song is also like it wails at you. No? Yes, it, at that point, that's what I'm saying. It's that part you won't forget when that music awesome. comes out. It yeah, yeah. Shoot. Um, over. Um, overall. Oh, oh. What, one thing we haven't mentioned that's in all the Shadow Hearts games: the lottery. Oh yeah, the lotteries. Yes, you find. I always get tissues out of the lottery. I never won <laughs> the prizes. You never won anything in the lottery, Sam. Never. This is why saving and resetting is really useful. Yeah. This is auto-save abuse time. Yeah. Especially those people who like to make the ring invisible. That's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to make the ring invisible. Well, I did uh, did one of the lotteries in Covenants. I would say over half the ring had 
had a prize attached to it, though. I, you know, I was aiming for one particular color. Yeah, and, you always got to go for the red or the yellow. That's yeah. really good. Well, stuff. I saw. That's what I said. I said, well, I'll, I'll go for the red. And as soon as the wheel came up, I saw this red was this tiny little sliver. I'm like, screw that. Going for oh, that yellow looks a little, you know, <laughs> looks small, but not so small. I couldn't hit it, so I hit it. It spins around a whole extra time after you hit the button, unlike normal. Uh, but it still comes back to where you stopped it. So it, it just wants you to be in anticipation for like an extra ten seconds. But I got Lottery it. wants you to make you sweat. Yeah, made, made me sweat a little bit. So that was pretty. It cool. does. It works. What was that one? I know we talked about the the bad people. Did we did did, did we talk about the 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 bad lady with the big breasts? Yes, we did. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm Her sorry. name's Veronica. Okay, just Her name's sure. Veronica. She looks like she's up for a strange version of Mardi Gras, and she likes to hurt people. <laughs> she she uh, yeah, you know those those they don't look real. I just want to point that. Out. Oh, all right. So, uh, <laughs> and Karens do. <laughs> yeah. Karen is totally real. You stop. She's just naturally endowed. (laughs) You don't look fake. Okay. You're really, like, what is with you and Karen? I love Karen. (laughs) Seems a bit more than love to me. There's some serious lust going on here. Hey, 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 I've told you before. I make a terrible lesbian that that does not mean, however, that I cannot. Like, I appreciate females, but I am no lesbian. Karen, however, I could go lesbian for. Not gonna lie. <laughs> so, all right. So, <laughs> you know what, let's. Um, yeah, there's not much to say to that, is there? No, I think we're gonna move on third one. We'll save our final thoughts uh, for the end of the third one. We'll, we'll each one of us will give our thoughts on uh, entire uh, trilogy <laughs> and maybe some uh, thoughts on the individual ones if we feel the need to. Um, so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with uh, the third Shadow Hearts game. about Shadow Hearts from the New World, developed by Nautilus, published in North America by XE Games. This is, this was, this was released on March 7, 2006, here in North America, a single-player RPG experience for your PlayStation 2, and it's not very good because it only took up one DVD, you know? I mean, it's only half as good as the last game, right, guys? Actually, yeah, but that's for the reason. <laughs> and that's, yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, Sam. <laughs> Sam, back me up on this. It's not as good as Covenant, but it's a lot better than the first one. No. Oh, shut I down. I like the first one and this one actually pretty equally. Like, I put Covenant up very high, and these two are right. very below it. That being said, there is lots of great things 
in from the New World. Yeah, let's push. Um, let's before that are we worth get talking about. Yeah, before we get too judgmental on it and start reviewing the whole series compared to each other. I don't other. hate it as much I'm as saying judgmental bad. I'm in judgmental good, bad or otherwise. I want to save opinions <laughs> for towards the end. Let's jump in first about the plot. And since oh my, you want to explain to life. I don't know. I, I've played this game pretty recently, but I'm having trouble remembering the plot and the fact that it's kind of weird and bad at times. Johnny Garland is head of his own detective agency in New York. He gets called out on an assignment to some movie theater in the Chelsea district where he gets, where he's trying to, to find another children. Di- yep. And what do you know, upon trying to save those children, he gets ambushed by a creature from another dimension. And uh, along comes Shania, our Native American harmonic servant. Yeah, and this game, unlike this game, unlike the first two Shadow Hearts games, makes a point of making you turn off the the animations when she changes shape, unless you like seeing her get naked every time, which takes about thirty seconds, so you might get sick of it. I know I did. Yes, thank you for actually telling me about that, Sam. I forgot to check the options menu. No problem. I did the same thing you did when I was playing it, so it's okay. It took me a while, and then. Another friend of mine was like, did you check the options menu? I'm like, no. So I made a point of telling you when you started playing it. And she saves him from the creature from another dimension. He he was initially sent on this assignment by a man named Gilbert, who looks like and sounds like the horrible spawn of Danny DeVito playing the penguin mixed with Peter Lorre. And off we go. We're trying to. Yes, he does. That's uncanny. Off we go to find him. Well, he's making himself kind of hard to find. And Shania wants to find him for her own reasons, and her mostly quiet, pistol, dual pistol-wielding manservant Natan is there along with you. And we get into uh, some fictitious university up in New England, which looks vaguely like the Harvard campus, I think. Campus. It's called Arkham University. Yes, Arkham. Even though there which, were no. Come on, jokes. everybody! Do we all know where it's from? Yeah, I think, but I didn't see any Cthulhu, Batman villains locked up in there. Cthulhu, Cthulhu, Mythos, Cthulhu. HP Lovecraft is hanging around on campus, so. Yes, he Later. is. And you do fun fun quests for him. Yeah, he runs and your he, arena for you, which is just Which awesome. I didn't do. He is a character. Wow. Yep. You will find him. He's sitting in his <laughs> office being cranky at you. Yeah, for, for reference sake, um, I think I'm the only one on this podcast who hasn't played from the New World. So you will get to soon, so it's okay. Yay. Yep. <laughs> it, it's, I think people pick on From the New World because it's definitely, I would say it's a more lighthearted game for the most part. Yeah. It gets pretty dark was, near the end. It gets towards dark the at end, some point. Yeah. But still towards the end, it's, sorry, Nathan. Uh, sorry, yeah. It gets toward dark towards the end, but this is really the game which takes all the silly stuff from Covenant and makes it ten times more silly and ten times more common. So instead of Joachim picking up random items, we get Brazilian Ninja Man t- picking up random Frank. items. Yeah. Frank. Yes, that's who, you, that's who joins your team in Arkham. At first, he's dressed in a business suit for no apparent reason, which he whips off in one motion. And underneath, he's dressed kind of like if Captain America had a light dangling from his forehead and an Oni mask on his chest. That's your ninja costume. <laughs> and he talks like this. He's talking like a goofy Muppet slash Eastern European guy. And Frank Power. And he doesn't just pick up things and use them as bludgeons. No. He makes sabers out of them. He has a firework saber. He has a bus stop saber. He has a cactus saber. The swordfish saber. The swordfish was my favorite. And And his best weapon, if you can beat the chief of the Brazilian ninja village, is 
a shish kebab saber. Wow. Yep. And then you also have other fun characters like Mao. Mao is a mobster. Also, it's a giant kitty cat. She's By the giant... way, it's female, but talks yeah. in a man's voice. And it's like from it studies Chinese martial arts and uses alcohol as her weapon. Yep. I love Mao. Mao was probably one of my favorite <laughs> characters just because, I mean, she has her own version of Hollywood wherein you fight Sammy Meow and Cat Morita. And let's not forget the Meow Minator. And of course, the, the greatest challenge of them all, the, the master of martial arts, Bruce Meow. Yep. The entire thing is a giant game of death ripoff in terms yep. of set it, staging and everything. Well, and the only way you get to fight them is with macro coins, which you just do her attacks and you yeah, get kill them. things with Mao and you'll get some. But honestly, Mao is just crazy fun. Like her attacks are they're nuts. They're just out of this world. And I kept her in my party for the whole game. <laughs> and you meet her in Chicago with Al Capone. Yep, Actually, you're trying to go save Al Capone. Yeah, Al Capone's been locked up in Alcatraz. You have to bust him out. Oh, I hated that dungeon. I'm not going to lie. It's only vaguely based on the real Alcatraz. So. It's, yeah, I know, I've been but to it's... Alcatraz. It doesn't look a whole lot like the real place. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And then you go to Area 51, Roswell, New Mexico, and you'll meet Roger Bacon, who is being held in the U.S. government facility because he's suspected of being an alien. Poor guy. And, and you will meet Hildegarn Valentine, the last of the Valentine siblings. And she's adorable because she can be fat, skinny, or a bat. And she's the cutest when she's in her fat form. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, she, she makes chunky. she makes those cute little eyes that nobody can resist. And she's actually stronger in that form, which is kind of funny. Yeah, she yeah. learns an, she learns an ability to like, fully. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so cute. <laughs> she learns an ability that fully replenishes everybody's hit points late in the game, which is really really helpful. Yeah, isn't that like, she's good in magic her. in her thin form and physical fighting in her fat form? Yep. Yeah, I had her in the slim mask form once. Well, that's actually the Sushi Man Festival, where if you progress through all of it with a whole bunch of guys wearing various forms of sushi on their head, who are clearly ripped off from the Man Festival, then Hilda will fight Joachim, and he will allow her to become the slim mask, which has such amazing magic that she did astonishing damage to him. Which is I good, because he's really strong. Yeah. I didn't even do that. I didn't care and, enough for Hilda to actually do any of her side quests, admittedly. I liked her. Her high magic I, was really helpful. I never I never used her because my party consisted mostly of, once I got Ricardo, she got benched. Yes, Ricardo, the Spanish the balladeer, the Mexican balladeer who was in love with Edna Capone and just tags along with you for the purpose of revenge. And he makes my heart go thumpity thump. I quite like him. And he talks, and he talks like these. Dude, he's Desperado. That's all it is. Like all his moves are ripped off of Once Upon a Time from Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Desperado and El Mariachi. He does. He has all the stereotypes. Your Banderas, doesn't he? He <laughs> okay Banderas. <laughs> Let's play. Plus, he plays little songs for you on his guitar, and it's really cute. And he's the bard. He is totally a bard, and he's a very useful bard. He is effective. He is so. He was like so much more useful than Lucio was in Covenant. I call Lucio being pretty useful for anything else for a great SP regeneration abilities. Yeah, but Ricardo has like better abilities than she does in that in that sense, though. Especially because as you upgrade his skills, the SP boost gets higher and higher. Same with the HP as well. 
Yeah, it's been a long for me um, to remember exactly how good it compares, but... I don't remember how much it compares. I just, I know for me, Ricardo was, in a lot of cases, quite the lifesaver. Uh, some of the boss fights in From the New World are pretty nasty. Yeah, um, it's like, the game is silly, but it has pretty tough fights in it here and there. Well, it doesn't help that the two villains of, in the game, Lady and Killer, uh, look kind of exactly like, hmm, I don't know, Yuri and Alice. Yes, yeah, it's weird, but they have no connection to them whatsoever. They have it's no just... connection to them whatsoever. Um, and, and Killer, for killer being just a guy who's a serial killer who uses knives, he's pretty tough. His his battles are yeah. some of the worst because he's notorious for, in this case, the game has a different, his new form of the combo system with stock gauges. So you want to deplete the stock so that way the character doesn't get any extra abilities such as like a, another combo or a double combo or yeah. If, double if you walk into a boss a fight and the attack. and the boss has stock, you better take it away quick or else somebody's dead, guaranteed. <laughs> and Killer was pretty pretty notable for one hit kills. Um, his fights are usually some of the most brutal just because he's got a couple attacks that will instantly kill you if you're not prepared. That is why Ricardo was very useful. Unless he killed Ricardo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I had to play the scramble game. <laughs> but I always made sure that everybody had healing magic in that game. So And G- Gilbert tags along with them, but he doesn't actually fight you until the very end. But this he does summon was- things for you to fight. I hated his boss actually, fight. His was stupid. Actually, yeah. I lost when I fought him. Admittedly, I wasn't paying close attention because I wasn't sure I wanted to keep that file. But uh, he's strong. He whooped me. Yeah, for what I call the final battle against Lady in this game, it's going to be pretty darn tough. I think I had to go back and get through some extra side stuff I didn't mean to in order to actually complete it. I actually beat it on my first try. That battle took me about an hour, though, because <laughs> you can't actually hit Lady in the fight. You actually have to hit her little companion, who's kind big of like companion. a... <laughs> yes, he's actually a very big companion. But he's a leech, right? So... They leech stock yeah. off each other, which can be really irritating because it means even if you deplete the stock, there's a good chance on the turn it's going to suck up the stock from the other character, which that was kind of irritating. But you know what? I mean, it is a difficult fight, but it's definitely one where it's it's totally doable to do on a first try as long as you've got enough provisions and you've got enough, you know, as long as your levels are also good too. Yeah, yeah. I, I ran around doing side quests all over the place, so I was around level 55 when I did it. I just had to know, don't even try stat-ups. That will not help yes, you. Yes, well, I think I told you that after I beat it. I was like, so here's you two did tell me that. not to do. <laughs> and I remembered. See, you told me something that I remembered. I'm so proud of myself. Oh, my goodness. But, yes, Lady turns out to be, and Trent, go hide if you don't want to hear the spoiler. Closing my ears. Closing your ears. Okay. Johnny's sister. He's Johnny's sister, Grace Garland. And Johnny is actually Johnny. Johnny is technically twenty-one years old, but since he spent five of those years in a coma after dying, it's kind of hard to measure exactly how old he really is. He can transform to look like a twenty-one-year-old when he gets his transformation really late in the game, though. Yeah, and since he has so few SP, you need to be really careful with that. It's really powerful, though. But it is. That's the thing. Keys keys were useful for that final boss fight as long as you had them. I mean, you were solid. It's just, yeah, it's always very tempting to use the keys when you fight, like, Gilbert. Gilbert in particular, because Gilbert's just cheap. I know I had temptations yeah. to use my keys on that fight, and I was like, nope, I need to be a good girl and save him for that really awful final boss. Yeah, keys are really powerful in that game. 
And yeah. I would like to say that I managed to get the bad ending, even though I got Shania's final fusion, which is yeah. which just makes the final area of the game a joke if you get it, because it has uh, that ability which ups every stat in one shot instead of you needing yeah. five spells. I was going to say, did you uh, did you not upgrade? Did you get all the statues though? I got all the statues for her first three, and I think I missed one. I didn't go back to yeah, because if you missed the one, that was enough to do it to not get the good ending. Like, but this actually, the bad ending is kind of cool. I love the bad ending in this game. Like, I yeah, watched the, the bad ending the makes ending. more sense. The good ending is just kind of weird. The, 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 yeah, you know, why would Shania be interested in Johnny? Sure, he's interested in her for obvious reasons. There are a few cutscenes where you can see her her boobs are the object of his attention. <laughs> well, you know, we we did kind of skim something. We were talking about Covenant. So Johnny's caretaker is Lenny, Lenny. from Shadow Hearts Covenant, who was a villain in Covenant. Um, and Lenny's adorable in From the New World. Like, he is so, like, he gets all antsy. He freaks out over Johnny's appearance. He's always trying to clean him up. And it's just, it's neat to see a softer side on his character just because he was so idiotic in Covenant. Like, <laughs> hey, at least there was here, a cool side of- quest in Covenant where you had to beat him. No, you beat a guy who learned from Lenny his math questions. Yes, and that comes back up in friggin' From the New World, because I hate those math questions. I had to get Scott to do those, because I just, you know, I don't have yeah, very good... Yeah, there's a ten-second time limit for you to answer, and you have to do ten in a row. I also hated little pirate girl's stupid questions, too. Oh, yes. The eight-year-old in charge of a, a group of Caribbean pirates, and they obey her because um, she's just Adorable. really good, I guess. Because every pirate band is led by an eight-year-old girl, right? Really? Yeah, Anne. Yep. There was definitely some unique content, though, in this one. Like, I'm kind of mad I didn't do... I opened it up, but I never bothered finishing it. was the dollhouse quest. That, that was kind of cool. I, thought, I heard... I remember you mentioned that it was really interesting, but I'm kind of mad that I didn't go back and do it. I mean, I guess I could open my save file and go do it, but... It allows Ricardo to have one more conversation with Edna briefly. That was neat. Oh, man. They're actually really cute, Edna and uh, And if you, open up, if you open up the Guiana Highlands, you get Natan. Yes, Natan's side quest is to find various creatures of of American lore throughout the continents. Like, like, like Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, things like that. Sasquatch. Yep. You fight Sasquatch first, that's what I remember. And, and his final one, I just printed out the fact for that because it's really complicated to get. But yeah, it, I didn't bother it, with him at all. This was a game... Moves are so fun, though. <laughs> I think... This was the first Shadow Hearts of the bunch where I actually had a set party, like, and I never changed it once. Whereas all the other games, you know, I experimented a little bit more with all the different characters, but this one, you had honestly, Johnny, Shania, I, Ricardo, and who? Mal. Oh, Mal. That's and that was my party, and I mean, it was a really effective party. But I found myself, I didn't really care for Natan at all. Um, Hildy required too much effort that I just. I honestly did not care. <laughs> and then, How about Frank? <laughs> Frank was just Frank. Um, you know, he would have probably been a decent replacement for either Mao or Ricardo, but I just found I had built the characters up so strong that I was kind of like, mm, I don't want to change this. Yes, Frank's side quest finds him in in the Ninja Village, which is apparently uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of Mato Grosso in Brazil. Not in the Amazon. It's way south, close to the Argentinian border. And you get to do Momonga gliding, where you just take a take a, a gigantic squirrel skin and jump from platform to platform in 
a bunch of lake areas. And if you do it right, if you, if you uh, look at a fact like I did, then you can get the last crucifix in the game that way. It's pretty handy. crucifixes are awesome. Oh my goodness, yes. They, they fix everything. They're really hard to get, but really worthwhile. Like, you have to beat the yeah. first arena in, in the first game to get the one, and that's pretty hard. It's twice in flat, too. Yeah. Um, let's see. Now, Nathan, did, did you try Purgatory? I Yeah, is that the final the post-game thing? Yeah, the one you can only get if you've got every snap in Johnny's collection. Yes, I did try that. I got like halfway through it and burned out, and I said, you know what, that's the point where I'm not done with this game. So that's where I got on it. That one, I, I got to admit, I did not go for that. It's really hard. And getting every snap in the game, especially for the ones Johnny wasn't there to fight, is a lot of work. Yeah, yep. Arena helps a lot with that, fortunately. But it does. It's still pretty hard. I openly admit I didn't have the patience for that. Uh, this is just a, I don't know why I went for all that, but I did. <laughs> don't ask I, me why. I guess the biggest beef I have with From the New World is, I mean, they make you do a lot of work for a lot of the special attacks, the weapons, whatever. And a lot of the time, to me, it just didn't feel fulfilling. Like, yeah, a lot of... Problem. A lot of the work was really tedious. There was a lot of backtracking. Yeah, and I the, just I found myself spirit, losing patience. The ring spirit this time shows up outside of Johnny's detective agency every time instead of it showing up as you go through the dungeon, so you have to keep going back there. Oh, yeah, I kept forgetting to do that. But then you get the interesting story of this ring spirit is a female, and she's trying and she's trying to hit on Johnny, and then her dad shows up and gives you the next couple of attack moves because he's sick of his daughter having a thing with you. How dare you get involved with my daughter, you sick pervert? Something like that. I just I also found things like the dungeons were not as inspired either. Well, my the one dungeon I absolutely hated was the one the camera if it was Machu Picchu, but it's the one with all the the colored doors. Yeah, that's and like much you can too. only yeah you can only go through a certain color door if you put on a certain lamp and mm-hmm. oh my god I hated that puzzle hated it with fiery passion and the encounter rate in this one I found was a little bit higher in certain I think areas it was a little higher but it I wasn't found Machu Machu Picchu uh, Picchu was the worst offender just for high encounter rate plus really obnoxious puzzle I mean the plot point itself was really interesting. But the work to get to said plot point, I, I was not a fan. Yeah. So, this also the scheme. Yeah. What's the what's the dungeon uh, north of um, um, the island in Polynesia that you go to? That other island out in the Pacific. Remember the one where you have to go through the, only one side of the statues because otherwise you get bounced back or you can't go through. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, that's so I had to go here. in there twice because there was a there was a hunt Natan did. Oh really? I'm so thankful I only did that once, because <laughs> that that was another dungeon that was pretty, pretty, pretty atrociously set up. I want right. to give this game praise for one thing that Covenant really could have used, which is the height uh, display for what your spells or what your attacks are going to do and where the enemies are. That's really helpful when it comes to planning a combo. Yep. Well, this this one also gives you, like I said, double combos and double doubles. Which is pretty cool, <laughs> you ask me. Those were really handy, especially like because you could go through your entire roster and you still don't waste their turns in any way as you keep pulling off the combos. It's pretty fabulous, which I, I really did like a lot. I, I do like the stock system quite a bit. I think it's really smart. 
Yeah, and there are um, only two, and it's two very bars fair. of stock, so yeah. it's not like you're going to think, oh, I need to hoard this, because you no. can't really hoard it for long. Well, and the game does a really great job of making it fair on both ends, both for the player and for the enemies. Yeah, the enemy, you can, even if Johnny hasn't snapped a picture, you can tell if the, what the enemy's stock is, and it'll display if the enemy has the chance of comboing or doubling on you, so you know what your next target ought to be. Yep, and if you have skills like Vacuum or uh, Evil Eye, they're great skills to knock stock out. And But the, the game is smart in that you can't excessively take stock with those attacks. Like, for example, Vacuum, I think you can only use every couple turns. Like, it's like you can use it one turn, then you have to wait a couple turns before you can actually use it again. I think you're right. Because I know I tried to do that on the final boss fight a few times, and I was like, wait a minute, can't use Vacuum, it's not ready to work again. Half the time when I needed to get rid of stock using Johnny, I would use uh, whatever his attack where he calls on a phone, Lenny! Oh, and Lenny God. comes in and drops some energy wave that blasts a big area and takes a lot of stock away. Um, and yes, this is a weird game, but I compared to Tengai Machio 4, this is not that weird. <laughs> I can't imagine how weird Tengai Machio 4 must be. Um, let's see, you've got a villain who carves his face onto Mount Rushmore... You've got Hollywood tycoon Ron Terry, who uses the silver screen to fight you right after you fought through Hollywood itself, which is covered in garbage. I, okay, I did a yeah. whole... There were a couple... Pretty weird. There was an episode way back where I talked about Tengai Machio 4. I think it was the end of the Grandia episode. Uh, Another well. wonderful thing is like the Alamo. The Alamo is a tank commanded by General Custer. <laughs> Only he, only he gets killed, giving you a whole new reason to remember the Alamo. <laughs> and then the Alamo goes from Texas to Florida, which is where Atlanta is, as everyone knows. And you, the Alamo attacks the power station supplying TV networks in Atlanta. I want this game. <laughs> Every time you tell me about it, I just want it more and more because it sounds like crack cocaine. But you know what? It, I get crack cocaine out of Shadow Hearts, so I guess it's it's okay. Yeah, and Salt Lake City has nothing but blue people. They're all colored blue. And you get a new party member there who you designed yourself. <laughs> and is literally a piece of paper. Okay. Yeah, okay. What does that have to do with Shadow Hearts? The train is... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't get visually, visually, I think From the New World is about on par with Covenant. They look I actually think it's time. nicer at times. Yeah, that's probably a bit nicer times. Nothing outstanding, like the jump from one to two, but... No. It is a lot more colorful, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Probably comes I from think... us being in the tropics a lot. I think, unfortunately, for From the New World, though, its cast of characters just doesn't have the memorable flavor, I think, of the first two games. Yeah, um, they're so eccentric that their eccentricities take over instead of being interesting. Except Johnny, who just has to play straight man. Like, I'm not going to lie, I totally forgot about Natan, like, all the time. Because he just, he doesn't have a personality. He doesn't have anything that defines him. I'm not sure they can explain why he's a Native American who loves gung fu. Who knows? He just loves gung fu, right? It's all good. Like, Ricardo is a total babe, but he just plays on his babe tendencies. So he's pretty one-dimensional. Hildy is insane. You know, she's insane. And what's memorable about her is just, you know, she can be fat or skinny or a pink bat. Like, the characters, they have a quirk, and the game plays on the quirk to a point where it does get a little irritating at times. Um, I think yeah. the only character who doesn't suffer from this is Johnny, but that's because Johnny is just, 
he's adorable. He's he's just a character who just accepts all of them. He doesn't care. He's like, yeah, you're all weird, but it's cool. Like we can hang. Yeah. I'm fine. He's a good main character, really. Just I've lost amounts of love. Fairly dull other characters. Yeah, but yeah and Shania's you know, whole secret is that lady lady killed off her whole village. Yep. And she's out for vengeance. That's that's why she's so. Yeah, she's... Shania is another one with no personality. Her personality yeah, is personality. revenge. Her personality is also that the artist thought she should be a great fetish object, and she has really long legs. She definitely has long legs. I just think, you know, it's funny when you look at the cast of characters. Um, Johnny is such the, the straight character this time, which is funny because if you contrast him to Yuri, I mean, Yuri was, like, if you've ever watched G Gundam, he's Dolmon. From G Gundam, who's hot burning youth and a shining finger. Whereas Johnny is just so he's a lot more humble, which I kind of appreciate. He's a little bit more naive, but he's still you know, he he just thinks everybody's a, a they're all great people. It's it's kinda of bizarre. <laughs> but you appreciate him as a main character because he is the least excessive character in the story. So it makes it yeah. a lot easier to identify with him. And his story is actually really wonderfully done. I actually really did like his storyline. Yeah. With his, peace and all that. Yeah, him, his whole family, and his own wondering. It's like, wow, what the heck, I died kind of moment. Yeah. Such. <laughs> yeah, and he was the only successful use of the Emigre manuscript. Which is, that is the one thing which has been in all the other games, even Kodelka. People trying to use the Emigre manuscript to bring people back from the dead. And it worked this time. You yeah. ended ridiculously horribly. Like the fact that Alice only survived for twenty seconds and that was at the time far and away the most greatest success I've ever had, considering she didn't turn into a horrible demon. With him, it you know total success, amazingly. Because it's his sister, they were, his his dad was trying to revive both of them, and his sister revived just enough to realize that Johnny wasn't going to make it. So she pushed all the positive energy his way, and then that was it. She went on a different path from there. Lost her mind. Okay. Any other thoughts? Oh, I I want to say that the battle themes here are really good. And I thought that the dungeon themes were pretty good for the most part, too. Yeah. Also, you got to say that, you know, it's kind of, the, Shania has a really disappointing harmony extra because she only has four forms total compared to, you know, like the how, 19 or so that Yuri typically has. Yeah. Well, it also like, doesn't help doesn't that much the, uh, a lot of the forms also feel very samey. It's like, this is the earth form, this is the water form, this, this is, is the thunder form. Um, and here's and your final form, which is which has an ability that is so awesome, you should use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know, the balance on Shania is really weird. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's got, basically each form is basically for targeting a certain height range, if I recall correctly. But that's about it. It's the only slight elemental change. She doesn't have this kind of powerful changes between healing support or physical attack or evasion that Lyric had with his different forms. I want to say for the record that the only time I felt like I absolutely had to use keys was getting Seraphic Radiance in Covenant and getting uh, What's-Its-Face in this one. Because it uses such a cheap ability if you get it low on life that you just have to use a key to kill it fast. Okay, okay I derailed that nicely. So... Oh, oh, Sam. Mm-hmm. The localization. I think XC did a pretty good job, especially considering how small the staff was at the time. Well, I think it's because it, say this game was outsourced, though, if I'm not mistaken, because they published it. But at the time, I'm pretty sure the office was only four people. Like this is before they actually did full out localization. Just a little FYI. 
Wasn't this like one of the very first games they brought over? It was one of the very first games they brought over. The other one was Wild Arms 4. So and Look where the company is now. Thank God for it. beginnings. Yep. Well, if it wasn't for Exceed, we wouldn't have seen the last Shadow Hearts game. That's the thing. Yeah, and for that, there are a couple people who obviously don't have the same voice. Roger Bacon does not sound like an old man anymore. Yep. He, and Lenny obviously does not have the same voice, but that's fine. I can understand that we're using a different studio now and getting that kind of talent back together is a problem. It never happens. Nope. But you know what? We appreciate the fact that it exists. Yeah, you know it was what? a fun game. It's still a very fun, exactly. It's a very fun game. And I'm, I am happy I finally did play it and did beat it. I had a hard time finding the game, and actually, it was Michael Cunningham who actually asked Ken from Exe to give me one. Because I was just having a hell of a time trying to get it. So yeah, thanks, I just, Ken. <laughs> I just kind of, after a kind of lackluster demo version of the game I played, I just wasn't very interested in this one for years. But only a couple of years ago, I just saw it sitting on the local game shop, bought it, and well, played it as a, a. It was worth it, really. So, well, let's let's talk first about the the price, and then we're going to talk about you know we'll wrap it up and see. Yeah, you, know. you got to do a price roundup for a lot of yeah. games now, Phil. <laughs> so Shadow Hearts, the first one. Don't you want to do the price of Kudelka? Not That's really. I, I'm telling you, it's the half bastard stepchild. But if you insist, you know, I, how do you even? I don't even know how to how to spell it. How do you K <laughs> something? Kudelka. How, how do you spell again, it? it again? K O U D E L K A. Okay, D E L K. It's kind of hard to look up. Can't be the half bastard stepchild if it was. It really is the progenitor of the series. Three words. No judgment. Ring. Okay. Now moving on. All right. So Kudelka. Uh, brand new, low price, $109, factory wow. sealed, quickly shipped, first class, like new condition, good to like new condition, will run you about 35 to 40 uh, You can see a number of buy it nows on eBay for 45 to 50 So you can pass that one up. At that price, no judgment wheel. I don't even think we have to pull you guys. But okay, we'll pull you guys. What do you think? 50 bucks? No. I got it for 30 I'm glad I played it, but I can't exactly say that it's revelatory, just interesting and not so terrible that you're going to go running, streaming into the night from it. There is one copy that says refurbished disc for twenty four ninety plus shipping. Uh, there's one here for 32 plus shipping that says a few light scratches. So. All right, moving on to Shadow Hearts. Brand new, wrapped up. It's only nine ninety nine seventy nine. At least that's oh, what this one that guy. <laughs> that's what this one guy wants. A thousand bucks. Uh, you might want to go with the person underneath them who's selling it for only ninety nine ninety nine. Hundred bucks if you want it sealed. If you don't mind the fact that the seal is broken and it may have been played before, you can get it for as low as thirty five forty bucks. That's not bad at all. That's the first one. I do actually see a, a couple of cheaper ones on E. Actually, I see. Oh, that's the instruction manual for twelve bucks. <laughs> I do see one as low as thirty bucks if you're really lucky to snatch that one up. I see. Then we have Shadow Hearts Covenant. Uh, that one, brand new, is seventy dollars. Like new is about thirty-five to forty. And uh, then we see Shadow Hearts from the New World. Uh, that one. <laughs> 
I do see one copy for under 20 bucks, uh, but most of them are around 35, 30, 35 bucks. Actually, I found a second copy for 20 bucks, so you might get lucky and find one of those sub $20 copies, but most of them are showing about 30 bucks. So let's say 30 to 40 bucks each, guys. What do you think? Which ones are worth it? Which ones aren't? Or do you collect all of them for about 150 to 200 bucks? <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Seeley, what do you think? Um, well, I, I paid $10 for the first Shadow Hearts in 1999 for the second one. But if I were buying them today at $30 to $40, I'd still probably get them. All, I, all of them? First one through third one and uh, that bastard half, whatever? I probably wouldn't <laughs> pay that much for, for, for the PlayStation game. And um, I still have yet to try from the new, from the new world. So I don't, I don't really know what the experience is like. Because um, I was trying to remove myself from that conversation as much as, as, as much as possible to avoid spoilers. Fair enough. Um, but but yeah, no. For for the prices that you listed for Shadow Hearts and Shadow Hearts Covenant, I I'd, I'd endorse that purchase. What do you, what do you feel, uh, Miss Marshmallow? Totally would get it for that price. Do you Let's go for the that. Do you go for the full quartet at two hundred bucks, or do you pick? Oh and hell choose? no! <laughs> <laughs> that is a stupid price. Because uh, well, maybe uh, yeah, about 160, maybe 200 is a little high, but you'd probably have to pay at least 160 to get all four. with shipping. Yeah, it'll run you about 150, 160. So which ones do you pick and choose then? If you don't get the full quartet, I'd say one and two, but What's that? I I would say one, two, and three, and Pudelka. <laughs> no wheel, no dice. Get it? Mm. <laughs> I, I honestly... You're on a roll, Phil. I can't kill myself. <laughs> I love all three Shadow Hearts games for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So, how about, uh, how about you, Nathan? I'd say two is the best game. One is kind of a good one to play before you play two. Agreed. Or after you play two, if you're getting the good ending on two. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. It's, that's one of my recommendations if you want to pay, get any of the four. But from the new world, like if you really love two, get from the new world. Otherwise, you don't really need to. Okay, Mr. Minky? Covenant is the best. I would recommend that. I, I liked From the New World seemingly better than anybody else. Uh, it's not a big step down for me from Covenant, mostly because of the tweak, little tweaks to the combat, and I love craziness. The first one, uh, if you're going to play it, you'd better play it first, because otherwise you're going to come into it and wonder, where did all my nifty ring enhancements go? Why is this so static compared to what comes later? So... If you spoil yourself by playing the second or the third one before the first, then you have only yourself to blame when you go back to it and wonder, why is this so vanilla compared to what they did later? So yeah, second one, it gets my top recommendation. From the New World gets also a high recommendation. First, Shadow Hearts, it's all right, even with that stupid Malice system. Malice. And Kodelka, uh, I really can't justify the prices it's going for. (laughs) Because it has no wheel. So I bought bought each of these when they were on a bargain bin deal at EB Games. Um, I swear, or I found them on eBay or whatever. I don't remember what I paid, but I would remember if I had paid near retail price, which is what each of these is going for nowadays. Uh, At 40 bucks, I probably came out at 40 or 50. Um, 
And uh, but you know they they often say that if something's worth if something's worth forty or fifty bucks that you own and you don't sell it you're in a way spending forty or fifty bucks that you could have in your hands if you did sell it and I'll tell you that I'm keeping all three of those guys still in my uh, in my collection I played the first one all the way through I'm working my way through the second one you know <clears throat> it's just um, it's getting a little bit harder to get some of these weird cool off the wall you know JRPG you know experiences as the uh, cost for development on the main consoles get more and more expensive I think it's going to be hard and harder to get JRPG experiences on the main consoles. Um, they're getting a little we bit probably harder, harder won't be seeing. We probably, well, I don't know, they might show up on a network sometime, but <laughs> since the development team is dead and Midway is dead, that leaves... Yeah. There's not many well, routes by which they would come. It's getting, well, yeah, it's getting, it's not that you won't find, and it's not that you won't find some, you know, cool traditional JRPG experiences, but they are getting a, a, a little bit harder and harder. You know, they're coming out a little bit slower and slower, and you definitely don't see neat, cool stuff that's so off the wall like this. Judgment rings, weird, off, you know, totally off the wall. I mean, you know, the last JRPG I got right here in my hand, Ninu Kuni, very beautiful game, very gorgeous, super glad I have it, but it, it's just, it, it, it's not going to compare when it comes to, you know, these weird, quirky, out of left field things they just they're not going to do anything too dangerous like that anymore that's just you know because it's it's much more of a capitalistic risk nowadays uh, you'll probably keep seeing these on the co- on the handheld so so um uh i also noticed that the used prices just keep going up used games have become a hotter and hotter commodity uh play uh, older you know used games playstation 1 2 super nintendo etc etc so if you're thinking about getting these guys don't think that they're just gonna fall in price later on i would go ahead and snatch them up now play them them, and if you love them, keep them uh, like I do. And if you don't, uh, you can always sell them back. And I, you know, I won't guarantee you. I can nearly promise you that you'll probably make more money back if you sell it in a few months down the road. The way uh, used game uh, is just really becoming a hotter and hotter commodity market. So uh, people are just realizing there's no way to get some of these games, you know, back. Not every game is going to come out on the PSN network and stuff like that that came out on the PlayStation 2. So yep. these are the only ways you can play these really cool JRPGs. So, that's my thoughts. We're going to take a break. We're going to wrap everything up with the final lap. housekeeping items and uh open up the floor to boys and lady here and uh just talk about whatever is on our mind so along the line of housekeeping in the retro news uh segment i did note and i will pass it on to you guys that neverwinter nights to complete is available on gog.com of course everyone knows i'm a huge uh D 3.5 and before fan not a huge fan of 4.0 i play pathfinder now but um neverwinter nights 2 was on steam for a while and it was like taken away i 
think sometimes I see it on uh, one of those other distribution sites, like maybe Origin or something like that. But I mean, most of us use Steam, <laughs> so um, you know, so I don't see it on there anymore. Uh, but I did see it pop up on GOG. It is uh, there this week, I think, for like sixteen bucks, normal price twenty bucks, or you could just wait for it to go on sale um, and hope they don't take it down from there, like they did from Steam. Um, GOG. But yeah, Geo, GOG I don't think loses their games too often Rights issues down the road, anything like that I don't know what happened with Steam But um, if you bought it on Steam before, of course it would still be in your library You could still download it, but if you want to go and buy it off of Steam Thought maybe you were waiting for it to go on sale or something uh, No it's There's a couple of, Sacred 2 is another one that, um, that if you didn't buy it when it was on Steam For the brief period of time it was Guess what, boys and girls, you're not getting Sacred 2 so, uh, And that one's a little bit harder to find on disc uh, Mostly a European release uh, and that one's a really pretty action RPG game too. So I kind of keep an eye out for those older uh, quirky RPG experiences for you guys. Um, Neverwinter Nights 2, really one of the best ways to experience it. The point five system, especially it's got a lot. It's got the expansion. It's got the Mask of Betrayer, the Storm of Zahir, and the Mysteries of Westgate. There's actually a little bit of a DRM issue with the Mystery of Westgate um, expansion installation that they're trying to work out, but uh, GOG will follow and get that little little guy knocked out for you. So, anyway, might want to check that out. Um, I didn't see anything really big, new, and exciting on Steam as far as retro games, except well, for Baldur's Gate Phil, 2 Enhanced Edition. What's that? Don't forget, on uh, PSN, last week and the following week, they just put up Disgaea 1 and 2 oh, that's right. as PS2 classics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you too can play that on your PlayStation 3, and it's, it's, it's definitely recommend you do so. Disgaea is just, Disgaea is just too, awesome. Right? No, it only plays on the PlayStation 3. Yeah, at least that's what I saw when I saw in there. Otherwise, I, yeah, I would have bought PS3. it. Yeah, I would have bought it just to play it on my Vita, but... The, they have... It's Disgaea 3 that's on Vita. Vita, yep. Um, but they don't have that. Yeah, they don't have it on PSP, you know, slash Vita or anything like that. But, um, but you, um, you know, the P- the PSP version of uh, the Dark Days, uh, the second one, I yeah. think that one you can play on your Vita. I mean, you just have to check the store. That's like the You should PS- be able to. Yes. And I, I believe the PSP remake of one you can as well. Yeah, the, they're, they're kind of remakes. Visa was really good about making sure that all their PSP titles were compatible with the Vita pretty yeah. early on yeah the psp yeah the psp psp version should work on the vita sure sure that's probably why they didn't go out of their way to you know make that work on because i already got those those uh, ports on there um anywho and yes uh, as uh, and Baldur's gate enhanced edition is now on steam originally it was just being sold through some skip froggy something froggy wacky froggy wart froggy but now you can buy it on Steam, which everybody knows and loves Steam. So uh, if you're looking for a better way to play an old classic, you might want to check that out. Uh, pretty positive reviews overall. Um, better resolution support and things like that. So definitely check that out if you want to play an old classic. Um, let's see here. Mr. Mister Mickey, do you, do, I know we just put up the last podcast. So just to kind of explain to everybody why everything was kind of a little late with the last podcast and we had such a huge break and stuff, but uh, I might have been mentioned some of this before in another I don't remember it all blurs in together but I did get into a traffic accident a uh, lady smashed to the front of my car on a highway spit me into traffic two other cars hit me I felt like a ping pong ball it was really great got whiplash fan got totaled uh, so aside from being on bed rest for a few days I then had to 
spend the next week of my life quickly finding a, a new vehicle because um, they don't give you a rental for very long, apparently. And then after I got through that huge fiasco, um, I immediately got the flu, which I'm still coughing just a little bit from that. Um, but that knocked me out for almost a week. That's some nasty stuff. I stay away from that. January flu. 2013 just hasn't been your month, though. It, I'm it's sorry. Just, it's just turning out to be a bad year. It's just, And I had all these resolutions set up and stuff, and it's just like my kung fu teachers called me and said, hey, Phil, you said you were going to come back on the first, and I saw you one time, you never came back. What happens? It's the 27th now. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> I, where do I start? Um, so it's been it's been super, super, super crazy. Um, but that's why the podcast will really get up. I don't know if we had a chance for anyone to put notes up yet. There are a few. There are a few. So let's take a look. We, so we talked about uh, our last show was number 85, Mr. Sinister. We talked about what, Lufia's, I believe? Yep. Lufia. Yep. Lufia. Von Beardley said he loved playing Lufia, too. Said the ancient cave was a really fun distraction for the main game. Got to level 97. Holy free holies. Forgot to heal after a battle and died in the next. Five hours wasted because of carelessness. Haven't tried the ancient cave since. See, that, that's what the ancient caves do to you, man. Let you get sloppy, then they spank you. And you never come back again. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, and uh, Glowing Heron asked our last episode covered the return, the legend returns on Game Boy Color and the ruins of lore on the Game Boy Advance. We talked about it briefly. We also covered a bit of the DS. Yep. And we covered a bit of the DS remake on the second game. So, finding all that and more, listen to episode 85, Mr. Sinistral, as well as our other 84 episodes of the RPG Backtrack, <laughs> all at rpgamer.com forward slash backtrack. So, uh, let's see, our next show, number 87, La McKay Phantom World. Excited about that one. I've actually played every single well, I've played all single one of these games. I'm on a roll. Um, I have played uh, La Pucelle, Phantom Brave, Makai Kingdom, and Soul Nomad and the World Eater. So that will be very interesting. Actually, Makai Kingdom, I haven't gotten now. I only played like the boards of that one, so that one I might have to brush up on. Um, and wow, and all those blasts in the recent past, usually I'm like looking at them going, God, I didn't play these. I played a lot of these Hyper Dimension, Neptuna, Tactics Ogre, Reading Historia, so many games. Too many of them not really that great. Tactics good. Eh, Radiant Historia. Radiant Historia is good. Hyper Dimension Neptune. There's a third game coming out. I saw that. <laughs> the, the inhumanity. Do these people know no shame? It's like, oh my gosh. So if you want JRPGs on the PlayStation 3, it's like your choice are these hyper dimension, cross edge, crappy RPGs. Then you've got the Atelier games, which are pretty good. And then you've got, and they're kind of in the middle, though they're towards the good side. And then, hey, Sam. then at the very top, you have like some of these nice games that are coming out every once in a blue moon, like Nina Cooney. Yes. Phil just mentioned Atelier. Yay! Girls being cute. <laughs> Girls being cute. There's another Atelier. That's what I'm saying. On the PlayStation 3, your choices Alicia. are pretty much Atelier and waiting for the occasional Ninakuni to come out because there just isn't hey. a whole lot. Mm. Hey, now, there's Yakuza, and those games are awesome. They're not really JRPG. They aren't really They're RPGs. Totally They're JRPGs. not really RPGs, period. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Yes, they are. They are so RPGs, people. Did you play you the four play more of them? Did you play the zombie one? Yes, I did. I actually reviewed it. Is it good? It was terrible. It was terrible. Oh, crap. Dang it. I love Yakuza. I'm always going to defend it to the ends of the earth. How could they not figure that that would not be a good game? 
Well, when they realized that they had two forms of aiming on it, yeah. Well, it's just, like, Yakuza is a great series, but combat gun combat has always been the weakest aspect of it. That's so we're going to make it only gun combat against hordes of zombies. It's just stupid. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, except for the one guy who had the machine gun arm. I love him. He was actually useful. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's let's do our... Or whatever. I can never remember the name of this segment. One day I'll remember the name of it. Anyways, the this, final lap? No, no. There's like a, a sub-segment inside the final lap where we just talk about whatever. The whatever segment. Okay, so. The whatever segment is I'm going first. Cause All I'm right, sleeping. go, Sam. Go. So I have done diddly squat for the site because, unfortunately, I am dealing with a family crisis. At the same time, you can look at my really, really awesome article about most desired PlayStation classics, which Trent actually helped me out with. So go Trent. Um, You know, I had a lot of fun putting that article together. And yes, I probably will do the sequel to it when I have a free moment for PlayStation 2 games. I'm also working on trying to get a very special feature up, but I'm unfortunately stalled for time as I've had, like, no time to enjoy anything in life at the moment, except for hanging out with my dad. So, in terms of video games, all I've played is a teensy tiny bit of Nino Kuni, and I finished Persona 4 Golden, as it's the greatest Oof. game to take to the hospital ever. Oof, that's, that's an accomplishment. It was. I liked it a lot, and actually my playtime was less this time around, but I actually did the true ending this time, so I was kind of weirded out that my playtime was less compared to previous. It's still a good game. Uh, I see why it exists. I personally don't feel that it adds enough to really be a whole brand new game. Um, people are going to shoot me for that, but I, I really do mean that. It is blasphemy. People are giving it like game said, of the RPG of the year and everything because it's like this whole separate experience. I'm sorry, it's totally the same freaking game we played minus like a bunch of new little additions that are really nice but totally unnecessary. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't care because I was still having fun. You know, the characters are still really cute and fun. It's no Persona 3. Yeah, I said it, people. Persona 3 is better. Leave me alone. Oh, my gosh. Let me... Hey, hey, hey. The one thing that Persona 4 lacks is Mitsuru. So it immediately loses in the category of awesomeness because it does not have Mitsuru. Because I want to ride that motorcycle all night long. Write all yes, of your angry ha- fan mail to Sam Marshmallow at rpgamer.com or call her at 555-1212. Thank you, sweet pea. <laughs> no problem. I, yeah, I mean, I wish I could be doing more for you guys right now, but it's just not happening. You might see a review for Nino Kuni out of me. It just depends on free time. If not, you'll definitely see one from Adrian Denouden. Yeah, I think we'll probably see one anyway. Adrian is notoriously fast at finishing these things. And that's the thing. It's like he's waiting on – he bought the special pre-order that got screwed up if you saw the news. Oops. Digital River. Yeah, so he's waiting till like his birthday on February 1st to get it. Whereas I got my copy. I've just been – I've maybe put five hours into it since I got it. I'm not very far. I'm really enjoying it. It's good. It's really cute. Um, Oliver is adorable. He's kind of dumb as a stick, but I don't mind a protagonist that's a little dumb as a stick as long as they're really sincere and kind of cute. Lloyd from Tales of Symphonia. I'm looking at you. But um, I'm, I am enjoying it. I love the... just It gives me a nice whimsy feeling. But I probably shouldn't have played the game since it totally opens with like the main character's mom dying. Mm-hmm. That hit a little close to home. 
Yeah. So not the best uh, on my part. And with that, I'm going to run away from you guys because I am, like, falling asleep here. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. Good Thank night, you Sam. Thank you for me. Well. everybody. I'll talk to you Hi, all Sam. very, very soon. Bye, Trent. Bye, Bye Nathan. Yeah. So, be good, all of you. Sleep well. Oh, yes, because sleeping. I have sleep. <laughs> sleep. Okay. Do you need me to break out the anesthetic brick to make you sleep? I can do that. It's not a bad idea. Anyways, good night, handsome men. I will talk to you all soon. See you later. See you later. Night. Oh, Mr. Nathan, what would you like to talk about? I can't even think of anything today. What's that? What'd you say, Nathan? I said I just can't even think of anything today. Wait, wait, Nathan, you didn't do the news story, but Quinn did. Something that both of us have great interest in. Got an unexpected localization. Yes, Project X Zone is coming out, which... I don't know what to say about that. No one expected that, really, since the predecessor did it. It's two predecessors did So, yeah. Well, well, we've got to buy it in in the summer. That's just a given. I guess so. I mean... (laughs) uh, Sorry, I'm just having trouble with enthusiasm for the moment, since I'm too hyped for Fire Emblem and Etrian Odyssey. Those will be occupying my 3DS for a long time. (laughs) No, no, I totally agree with you, Nate. I was like... Yeah, we're getting some really great announcements on on the 3DS, and, and I, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's definitely sizing up to uh, you know heading in that direction of being an RPG juggernaut like that its predecessor was. Yeah, it's like at this rate, if, unless the Vita picks up a lot more steam, which it just isn't getting, then basically the 3DS is going to have all the three the, all the DS and PSP st- stuff at once, which is going to probably be one of the best RPG systems for a long time to come. So the Vita better start selling in Japan, or else I don't see it getting much. Yeah, it's hard to mention too many scenarios where it succeeds very well, sadly. Or not so sadly. I don't know. Thanks a lot, Sony. I think we can lay a lot of that blame at Sony's feet. Yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, I'm willing to give it a chance, maybe, but then I gave it one chance, and I realized, hey, this thing's buttons are terrible. And kind of hard to move on from that impression. I mean, I love, I'll tell you, you know, Vita is just sizing up a lot like a PSP, which is a bad thing, and maybe a good thing later on. I mean, it's, you know, the PSP started out very weak, very weak RPG selection, very weak uh, software selection overall. Didn't the first first, uh, hardware of the PSP have that problem with... uh the square button because it was so close to the screen that sometimes it wouldn't work. Nah. Well, man, I mean, we, I, I never hear about that. I mean, I had a PS, I didn't have a PSP 1000. See, I, I waited okay. on the PSP uh, because of its weak software selection. I bought the PSP 2000. By that time, in the third or fourth year, the thing was the PSP had such a bad reputation at that point that if you, you could get a PSP pretty cheap, especially a, you know, a used one if you wanted one, um, and then the software was just dirt cheap, and by the third or fourth year you actually had some really good titles out there not a lot of good rpgs though but uh the fourth fifth sixth you know year the rpgs really really picked up and if you pick up you can pick up a, a psp system today and just get some really great rpg selections for real cheap because it just really yeah. didn't have a great reputation I, know, so I only bought my psp the very last year only about two years ago now i guess yeah and or even just a year ago i can't quite remember but not very long ago and it really has there's a lot of games for it, and a lot of them pretty cheap and easy to get, and it's really worth it. Yeah, and then and if you want to go back and play something like a Final Fantasy VII, VIII, IX, a lot of those were re-released on the PSN store uh, for the PS3 and the PSP, uh, and they're much. I'd much rather play them on a PSP because uh, Final Fantasy VII stretched over my 40-inch plasma. No, no, no. Just put it back on a three-inch screen. It's okay. You can live with. It. <laughs> 
<laughs> the graphics are so, you know, PlayStation 1. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, so maybe the Vita, right now, the Vita, as far as RPG goes, what we got, we got Golden. That's, uh, it's, uh, um, it's got a couple of, I mean, it's got a number of other good games that I'm enjoying on it, but as far as RPGs go, um, it's, golden that's uh, and any of course any of the old psp releases uh that came through the playstation network will also work on the on the vita but you don't really buy a vita to play you know it, the, the, the power is really in the graphics and boy you see you see some of those newer games out and you even play persona 4 on it and whatever have you it's like good grief if they can just get some good rpgs on this it will be mind-blowing it'll just be really really great <clears throat> But in the meantime, the the sheer content is just, is just really definitely going on a 3DS. So, with Nathan on that one, what about you, Mister Sealy? Any freshness you want to seal in tonight? Um. Well, with regards to the site, um. Well, I, I I'm the new Currents host as of the start of the year. So, um, Currents is is back from the dead. It's now a biweekly column. Um, just all all the latest industry news that I think is kind of cool and I want to comment on. Uh, I'm still making editorials uh, in the off weeks as well, so things are kind of cool on that end. Um, in terms of what I'm playing these days, um, I'm mostly, I mostly I just picked up a Wii U the other day, uh, almost immediately after the Nintendo Direct announcement. And I've already started playing uh, The Last Story, which is something that I've seen on the game shelves of pretty much every store for a while, and I've just never even... I have a Wii, but I... I it's it's on my old uh, tube television, and I'm never in that room anymore. Um, so, <laughs> so the fact that the Wii U has HDMI was actually an excuse for me to play Wii games on my Wii U. I know that sounds kind of sad, but I'm getting around to playing things that I haven't actually touched before. So, I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> well, the, the Wii does have a, you know, uh, it, it's easy to, to, to just say it has a bunch of bloatware, and that's true. There's a bunch of, you know, crapware for the Wii out there, but there's a lot of good RPGs uh, in its lineup. So, a lot of good things to go back and play. That's not even talking about the Zeldas and the Metroids, but um, I still think Arc Race Fantasia is a fun game, but that's just me. I was asking around about Archives Fantasia, and um, most people, most people on IRC said you can skip it. No, no, go back and play it now. Thank you. You link me. That you link it. No, <laughs> you know, just that, be prepared for terrible voice acting. Just, right? just put it on mute and read I, subtitles. I pretty, pretty much, pretty much uh, unanimously that the voice acting is. <sighs> ret- I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see. I'm just one of those guys that sound isn't a big, huge, important deal to me. So, like the music, when you guys say is it memorable, not memorable, you'll hear me printing much unless i just really played it recently i don't remember music's not that big of a huge deal same thing with voice acting it's just like i rather have it than not i rather have bad voice acting than not i i guess if people really hate the voice acting that much put the tv on mute it does have a subtitle option and there bam no voice acting you're playing an old-fashioned rpg god bless you um what if the voice acting and the text translation both suck as far as translation goes or whatever <laughs> have you I, I don't understand how people can be like oh my god that is there's like aliens come out of their stomach this is so bad this whole game sucks because the <laughs> translation's bad but then we call final fantasy 7 the greatest thing since sliced bread i'm sorry i've never called it the greatest thing no since no i'm just i'm just saying the, the the i'm talking about the majority i'm putting this in quotation marks the majority of people who play arc race fantasia say the game sucks and when you ask them why they'll go into a tirade about the voice acting and or the translation okay but then when i asked the majority why final fantasy 7 you know how can you ignore that stuff because to me it was so bad i didn't even understand the plot of final fantasy 7 
seven. Arkwright's Fantasia's translation is not so bad that, that it's not Final Fantasy seven bad. It's not you won't understand the plot bad. There's going to be some things that sound a little corny coming out of their mouths, but you know what? Half the Japanese anime. I'm an English guy. I don't understand Japanese, so to me, half of anime falls underneath that umbrella. I played Nostalgia, <laughs> also localized by Ignition, and the translation did not make me go, that is some brilliant language. <laughs> but but neither did I go, what the hell did he just say? It's like somebody translated Swahili using Google. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, sound to me. I just, you know, I, I can understand people says it's bad, but would you actually say a game is bad? Because would you say an RPG is bad because the, mu- and the music? Uh, it's like one of those small... Anyways, I digress. To me, okay, I so... I don't know. I avoid playing Blue Dragon altogether because the boss theme is just so freaking annoying. <laughs> I avoid playing Blue Dragon because it's a kitty game. Okay, so Arkwright's <laughs> Fantasia, Trent. Um... Uh, the 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 the, the story is not going to blow your mind. It's a typical go and save the world deal, from what I remember. It's, Do you it's, like the is it is it the gameplay that does the it for you? gameplay is just where it's at here. I've I've often said this before. I've been playing JRPGs for forty, no, maybe not forty, but it feels like it um, for a very long time. I'm so tired of the same old attack, attack, heal. Even something simple as the spinning wheel and shadow hearts gets you know just something something to make these things different to make it exciting because you spend the vast majority of the time. In a, J- in a game, uh, in an RPG, in combat. So the combat needs to be fun. It needs to be you fresh. You must love the Grandia games. Oh, I love them. Bouncing way up in the air. Oh, my God. They're so great. Um, no- notice that Phil is referring specifically to Grandia 3 here. Yes. Bouncing way up in the air. Regular Grandia. The first Grandia was pretty cool. But 3 was, oh, my God, stratosphere. Orgasmic. I, I, 2 is the best in my opinion. 2, great, three, awesome. 3, three uh, you, you probably wouldn't have noticed. But three, the, three. The dialogue. Ooh, and the music I did notice how bad that. that was. No, even I couldn't ignore the horror that was three. Um, uh, <laughs> I just, I kept pressing the button. I couldn't skip the. I'm like, come on, let me just skip this horrendous dialogue so I can knock more people up into the stratosphere. Come on, <laughs> and and that was actually a classic case of. And I, everyone's going to have their own opinion. But if I want a really great story, and I, I, I'll go read a book, and I, I play an RPG, I'm, I'm looking for the marriage of the story and the gameplay, but I'm mostly looking at the game. For me, the gameplay is the heavier element, because if I'm looking more for mainly a story, I can go and read a book and, and get See, a I really disagree. great story. I disagree. Um, to me, gameplay is a means to an end. It's a, 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 game, a game's experience is definitely enriched by great gameplay. But I don't play RPGs when they have bad stories. I ignore RPGs when they have bad stories. Well, then ignore this one. And, and <laughs> you know, seriously, I mean, go go play a, you know, there's plenty of other, you know, I, I can't, first of all, first of all, I can't even, I can't even count on, for me, what makes a great story. I mean, my, my, my standards are too high since I played Final Fantasy VI. Um, I can't even count. That happens. I, I can't even <laughs> count on one hand the number of games that made, that really moved me. That moved me for the story and the characters. You know, Final Fantasy IX did it a little bit. You know, that was a very, you know, that was a tearjerker towards the end. Um, but really, you know, it was, it was for me. Um, and it's going to be subjective. This is all going to be subjective. But honestly, most of these stories either don't make sense or just not that great or they're so cliche. <sighs> I'll go read one. I'll go read some RV Silverstein or whatever his name is. That, that's awesome stuff. Crap. How come they can't get these really good fiction writers that we read about in books and get them to work on the JR work on the JRPGs? No. Anyway, so yes, with with Arkwright's Fantasia battle system, so cool. So what they've done is um, it's just it is just 
it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know why people didn't do this so long ago. It's just much faster. It's 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 on your toes. It's just, there's no, I don't think there's, it's been a while since I played it, so I'm a little fuzzy on the details. But I just remember it being like, it was just so quick and to the point and fast, and things are going on on the screen all at once, and you're just taking it all in. Whereas, like, I was playing Dragon Quest Nine right before that. In Dragon Quest Nine, it was like, okay, attack, attack, heal, and, oh, Bob attacks for five points of damage. Monster attacks for three points of damage. And the text goes along the screen about that speed and stuff. And it just kind of goes back and forth. It's the same old Dragon Quest we know and love. Um, but with this game, it was like the things are happening on the screen as you're taking the turn and you're inputting the command. The enemy's attacking you and the numbers are going up on the screen and I, I don't want to say it's constantly like if you left the controller it would keep going without you it's just the, the way that everything unravels so quickly with so much energy and emotion tactics play an important part location on the battlefield such a simple simple thing but in shadow hearts 2 i was just mentioned it would have just been a huge difference in shadow hearts 2 it would have made it from a good game to a great game if i had the ability to position my people and my attacks had an impact on where enemies ended up so i could use that strategically in arc race fantasia you will do that um and maybe it does have some sort of time to keep things moving. Um, maybe like an action bar, like Final Fantasy, uh, you know, six or something, where you just can't sit there. I, I just don't remember. It's been a while, but I remember it was just constantly moving, constantly evolving, very, you know, very, very quick. And if you, uh, I was just running around looking for things to kill. It was so much fun. It was just, yeah, that was pretty cool. But I mean, story. I won't say it's bad. I'm not gonna say it's it's not. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not Grandia 3. Oh my god. No, man. Grandia 3 was bad. Um, it's not Grandia 3 bad, but it's not Final Fantasy 6. It's not Final Fantasy... Uh, 9? 9. Yeah, yeah, it's not. No, no, it's not Final Fantasy 9. 9 was better than that. 8? Mm, no, I still don't understand the story in 8. Um, I hated 8. Yeah, I'm, I'm still... No, I, I'm with you on that one. Um it's First, just, we do have an episode on that. We recorded it a couple of years ago. We'll listen to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a typical, we need to go from here and here and save the world, and each city has a culture, talk to the people, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't slow it down with all that trite stuff too much. Graphics were pretty for uh, for a Wii game. I, I, I don't know. I was really, really... Yeah, hey, I'm like the JRPG hater for the most part, and yet... You know, here I am. I'm singing its praises because it was a fun game. So, <laughs> uh, I think it's worth checking. It's got to be bloody cheap because it's bad reputation. Check on Amp.com or whatever have you. But anywho, pick it out. Yeah. So what else? Yeah, St- Strawberry enjoyed it, and she tends to get pretty invested in stories for whatever that's worth. You can check out her review of it. It's on the site. Hmm, about thirty bucks. Uh, thirty bucks used too. <laughs> Anything else, Mister Trent? Nope, that's everything. Okie doke. <clears throat> Well, it was nice having you on the show tonight. Nice being on the show. Thanks, guys. How about you, Mr. Minky? Well, let's see. I put up a review of From the New World a couple weeks ago, which one can consult just to realize in a better articulated version of exactly how I felt about the game and why that was so. I also put up a review of Car Battler Joe, which is probably a game almost no one has even heard of. It's not easy to find, and I wouldn't exactly recommend that you do so. Because the idea of mixing, I don't know, twisted metal with an RPG is decent, uh-huh. but the execution, not so much. Not so much, huh? Well, unless you like looking at a whole lot of pixely, mostly brown and gray landscapes as you drive your car all over the place and let the game decide when your cursor is on the enemy so that you can fire. Because if the cursor doesn't say that you're in range, you can't fire. Isn't that great? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> And there's a story. Oh, I love stories that are just 
Hi, I'm the son of a great car battler. I'm going to do what he's... You're mute, so you don't say anything, but your mom says it for you. You're the son of a great car battler, and it's your 16th birthday, and here's your very own car, and I know you're going to do great things with it. And then she stays at home and builds your garage, which is really cool of her. Thanks, Mom. Oh, jeez. There will be an episode in the future where we devote ourselves to stray GBA stuff, and I'll go more in-depth on this project at the time. For now, though, just good concept deserves to be remade because it sure wasn't done right the first time. And I am right now playing something that will go, that I cannot review for a couple of days until the embargo is over. It's Fire Emblem Awakening. Ah, exciting. I will say this. It revisits a concept from the fourth Fire Emblem game, which many people have not played because it came out on Super Nintendo and was never officially translated, Uh which is that if you get your characters to support each other, male and female, and get them up to an S rank, they have kids. And there's Ooh, a Ooh, nice. And you get to play with those kids. Oh. There's a whole time travel angle where you get extra stages with each kid that you've brought into being and go rescue the kid in the stage, huh. which you otherwise can't visit. And then the kid has stats that vary depending on who you chose for a father. And yeah, there, this is a deep, deep game. I haven't even messed with the DLC stuff, but it's there if you want to. There are a lot of extra stages. There are tons of characters, and so far, pretty much all of them, I've been playing it for 45 hours, so I know what I'm talking about here, are seemingly worthwhile if you put the time in. And the support system is really useful. Having people stand next to each other is extremely helpful just because it automatically gives a hit bonus. And if you can actually have support properly, then you get a lot more bonus. Um, I'll have a lot more to say in written form in a few days, but for now, if you have any interest in this game at all, I suggest seeking it out when it comes out. What is that? The fourth that comes out? Yep. You might want to go ahead and even pre-order it. Some of those, sometimes those games came. I remember one of the Fire Emblem games I had a hard time getting because I didn't pre-order. I just don't remember which one. Yeah. It was. was it Shadow Wars? Hmm. Shadow Dragon. Maybe that one. Could be. I got it. I actually got that game in a GameStop. I can't believe it. That was one of the last games I went into a physical store to get. I couldn't believe I got. You know, speaking of Ninu Kuni. Uh, I went on to Amazon because I totally – I was between the car accident and everything else. Um, I, I forgot to pre-order it and uh, and then uh, you know after I got like the first day out of bed from the flu, I'm like, oh, crap, looked online, Amazon sold out. So uh, I got sick in the car and went over there and whew, GameSpot still had one. And of course they always do that thing, did you pre-order? And they ask you in such a way to make you feel guilty if you didn't. And you're like, no, do you still have one or not? <laughs> Yeah, Are you going to sell me the whole spiel? As <laughs> Here's the whole list of stuff that you can pre-order now, so you better look at it or else my manager's going to come over and read me the riot act because oh, I didn't bring it up. They're so bad. I hate, I hate stopping there, but it's, you know, in this case it was just, uh, you know, without Amazon, it was easier just to drive down there. It's only two miles from the house. <sighs> and I'll mention just a few movies. I want to mention The Hatchet Man because it features the odd side of Edward G. Robinson playing a Chinese man. Um, but he doesn't do the, the sing-song accent. He doesn't embarrass himself. He just happens to be Edward G. Robinson playing a Chinese man. Uh-huh. So, and Loretta Young playing a Chinese woman with makeup that mostly seems to make her eyes look like they have about three pounds of makeup on each of them. Uh-huh. And... Yeah, it's it's one of those hilariously dated things where you wonder if the people who wrote this thing had any idea what Chinese people are like. Um, um, I've dealt with Chinese people. I don't think that most Chinese men would keep a little baby around to present as a future wife to their friends. 
Maybe I'm wrong, though. Maybe I'm missing something here. And I saw Django Unchained. For who? You know, the new Tarantino movie. And if you like Tarantino, you will like this. If you do not like Tarantino, you will not like this. I can I could go into a whole lot more, but that's really as simple as it gets. And one other, Grand Slam, which none of the nobody listening to this has ever heard, and you won't be able to get it easily because it's not on video, but I just like to come up to describe the climax of this movie. A bridge tournament is being listened to on the radio, this is before TV, with rapt attention by everyone, including the black people. This is the depression, so the black people are, well, they just love the bridge. The Chinese family, the children, the people on break in the kitchen somewhere, everyone is listening in rapt attention to a bridge tournament. Wow. I sense that this is not quite accurate. Somehow, this does not seem realistic to me. Okay, I'm, I'm done, Phil. And you're probably wanting to get to bed pretty soon. I uh, eventually here, but <clears throat> um, unfortunately, I didn't really have a whole lot of time to play much of ever, anything with just all the, you know, the chaos in my life and stuff. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate. I played, um, uh, I obviously I've been playing Shadow, um, Shadow Hearts, uh, the second covenant, in order to kind of be ready for the show here. The... Um, uh, the on the 3DS, I've been playing a game that that actually I, I don't think you mentioned uh, about something. Maybe you mentioned it on the last show. I think you did mention it on the last show actually. Crimson Shroud, Crimson something, Crimson. Yep, I, I put up a review for that. Yeah, and let me say your review, pretty pretty straight on. Um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, the game on one, you know, I love tabletop RPG. I, I can't I can't tell you that enough. Um, uh, the, the this thrill is kind of like if you played a tabletop. No, if Yasumi Matsuno decided I'm going to be your dungeon master, but it's not really a tabletop game. I'm just going to make it look lo- as much like one as I can. Is that yeah? Is that I mean, you? yeah. I mean, I, and I and I said, you know, I, I love tabletop gaming. The thrill of throwing the dice. You know, having a GM. You know, doing all that dialogue and stuff like that. And it, and it, you know, in a way, capture some of that atmosphere. You get the dialogue, like you said in your review. Uh, it's great dialogue. It's kind of like the GM's talking to you as a player. Your figures. You know, your, your characters are just figures. You know, and, and it kind of, in some ways, it captures that spirit. And then in other ways, it absolutely, totally, and utterly, completely misses it. Um. Uh. With uh. You know. They. They got dice. Okay. That. That you. You do the combos. You earn dice, and you can add those. You can. These are physical dice you earn, and then if you're about to attack or something, you can then add those dice to your attack value to your damage. In. In order to. You know. You can. Yes. Yeah. Oftentimes, when you're dealing seventy, eighty damage, putting the extra. Four or six just doesn't seem worth it to me. That's exactly the point. It's just like, it's just like, well, you know, a normal Dungeon Dragons or whatever have you, a, a D6 or a D10 or a D20 added to your damage or heaven forbid to your attack roll will be a huge thing because you're normally only talking about low, low numbers. But he's got his numbers so inflated that adding these dice is just like, oh, okay, no, no big whoop there. Um, Look, I can do 5% more damage. Yeah, exactly, Mike. That's exactly it. So the feel, so you really, you really, you don't, you get to a point where you're not 
not even paying attention about making combos to earn dice because there's just so little payoff in return. So the whole – and since they no- – I think what surprised me was that the normal attacks and damage resolution uh, is done with no dice at all. The computer just does it for you like a JRPG. You yeah. just add those extra dice in there if you want to to get that extra 3% extra damage. And it's just it's just kind of ridiculous. Um so that's a that's a dis- disconnect as a pen and paper aficionado. The third, the second thing that's disappointing is in the combat. There's no tactical positioning, which is a huge component of the pen and paper combat experience. No, be able to move those characters the around. To, the closest it comes is a few battles where it introduces you're a great distance. Your 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 melee attacks suffer a penalty for a while. Yeah. Or uh, fog of war. So that every couple of turns, you get the chance to roll the dice and see if Fog of War dissipates for a little while. That's that's the closest it comes. Yeah, it's just... I mean, and I'm all about some abstraction, but you're abstraction the, abstracting the abstractions to the point of ridiculousness. And yeah, you're kind of missing the point of pen and paper and creating that pen and paper, you know, experience and stuff. So kind of disappointing, too. It would be nice if there was... If that DM part was voice acted out, you know, in the deep, throaty... You know dm type of voice but um i can imagine that part and i suppose with the text it's only dl you know it's only a few bucks so I'm, i guess i can't cry too much about the lack of voice acting but um uh, i do like the you know the, the fact that the little characters look plasticky figures and stuff like that and every time you fight a monster he gets and you kill him he gets tipped over like you would tip over the character at a table you would normally tip them over to indicate they're dead so i, I thought you know there's some nice touches in there but as far as yeah, does, doesn't the whole environment you're traipsing through look kind of like a really really elaborate tabletop game yeah i mean when you're moving you're 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 shown like a drawn map and you're just basically taking the you know the controller and saying hey i'm gonna go there i'm gonna go there i mean there's a lot of those things that that kind of feels like pen and paper it's not unusual for a, a gm just to show you a map of the area and say and the people say okay let's go to that wing over there and, and that's about as intricate as it gets at a tabletop sometimes so that that is okay it was just you know, the, the combat's definitely disconnected. I think you're right about the stats, too. You have to scroll to see the stats. Um, there's too oh, many yeah. stats. They just don't make sense. And, and you need to see the stuff at the bottom. But you also need to see the stuff at the top. Yeah, it, it's just... Especially when it, when it gives you abilities, because that's, that's really key that you know. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, they kind of missed the... Uh, you just kind of missed, missed the, the, the point there, and that's... Yeah. So take it from take it from somebody who loves, you know, I mean, people like me when I see a subpar review on a, you know, on a on a, an RPG but the the subgenre or whatever, the topic interests me, I'm going to pick it up anyway and give it a shot for myself. Take it from me, guys. <laughs> yeah, Mike is right on the ball with this one. It's not just a subpar game. It just doesn't do a great job at all of recreating or capturing the tabletop uh, experience. It will ultimately leave you a, a bit disappointed and unfulfilled. Um, only- it can be completed in five or six hours, so if you're interested, you might as well give it a shot, and yeah. then you'll probably be... Disappointed, yeah. But at least, yeah, at least it doesn't cost too much. I suppose you could do it. You could get through it pretty I think quick. I think it's eight bucks. Eight bucks. So I mean, it's probably worse ways to spend your money. Maybe I don't know. Um, uh, Cross Edge. That would be a worse way to spend your money. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I know I can think of one. Um, uh, shoot. So um, haven't been. I don't think there's anything else I've really been able to get my. My hands are out. I even missed some of my tabletop games between all these accidents and sickness and stuff like that. So it's been uh, been kind of harsh. But oh, Wellie, Um 
And, uh, yeah. So, anywho, I think that's it for our show today, Mr. Mike. I think we've uh, come up with plenty of show for listeners this time. <laughs> that's right. Lots of show to listen to. So, make sure, uh, make sure you listen to it. All of it. Yeah. And then do something like leave comments, because we like comments. And where can you leave those comments? Why, you can leave them at rpgamer.com on our forums. Just click on a little forum link on the side. Uh, RPG Gamer is... RPG Gamer. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer. Your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at... You know, I think people. I don't think that email address works. Um, Just have an email at cyberlight cyberlightcomics.com. If you can spell that, you're great. Um, help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter.com/rpgamer and become our biggest fans at Facebook.com/rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcasts as well as our awesome sister show RPG Cast, all at rpgamer.com. Um, on behalf of Mike and myself, we thank you for listening and make sure to rate us on iTunes. We like those little iTunes ratings. I need to look ours up lately. I haven't done that in a while. Mr. Mike, you want to put us to bed? I just had a few ideas for future Shadow Hearts games like Geronimo's LCD, Andrew Jackson's Panzer, Mozart's Mellotron, Clark Gable's DeLorean, Mary Todd Lincoln's Klondike Bar, Cleopatra's Plastic Surgery, Donatello's Plastique. Other than that, no, go play the games.